Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. All right, guys, welcome to Stories with Soul. I am really excited about today's guest. We have a, you're, you're my second couple. Come on. Family duo of entrepreneurs. It's Brad and Jenny Nethery. Uh, so I'm gonna read your bio real quick, as I, as I told you I would. <laughs> so Brad is a passion brand builder. We're gonna have to dive into what passion brand building means. Creative strategist, strategist, man, I'm, I'm not kicking this off at a good start. You're doing great. It's <laughs> going to get better this. from here. It's going to get better. An accidental entrepreneur who turned a passion for storytelling into a growth hacking methodology that he has leveraged to position and build numerous brands across various industries, including Oak and Eden Whiskey, which we have here on the table, and Modern Huntsman, which you sold in 2021. Oak and Eden is headquartered in South Lake, but has a brick and mortar tasting room in Bridgeport, Texas. And you're opening one in Clear Fork. That's right. Fort. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. They're in 10,000 retailers. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. In 40 states. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Uh, and plans on expanding even further. You also were the founder of the Right Brain Factory, a creative agency. You're also the, one of the co-founders of Taste Jojo, a cookie dough whiskey. That's it. Which is also right here on the so table. Good. That's That's I'm the, excited about the newest venture. That's right. Oh, yeah. uh, and then Jenny is a stay-at-home mom turned creative entrepreneur. So again, we got the, the, the husband-wife entrepreneur <laughs> duo. Known to many as the Little Bird, while seeking a creative outlet after having her second child, she stumbled upon the formation of Handmade Science Studio, specializing in handcrafting the wooden farmhouse signs that are now in almost every suburban home. Mm-hmm. Totally true. <laughs> um, what began as a platform to channel her energy into creating something outside of her day-to-day job as a stay-at-home mom suddenly exploded overnight, as did her social media following. She now has over 177,000 followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's like a large city. <laughs> uh, it is. It's, that's a lot. When you put it like that. That's a lot. Uh, in 2019, she and Brad, Brad began building their first custom home, and her social media growth began to skyrocket as she brought her followers along the building journey, as well as her eye for interior decorating. You have a fantastic eye for oh. that. I'm <laughs> a little you. biased, but I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, Thanks one to know one. Oh. And you're the founder of Stock and Seed, which is a natural light home photography studio in Argyle, Texas. Y'all have been married for 11 years. We have. 
I yeah, love right. it. I know. I had to, yes. I had to think about it. You got to do the second. math. <laughs> they have a nine-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. They live in Argyle on a small homestead with donkeys, chickens, and a dog. It's life. Yes. So multiple donkeys. Donkeys. Oh, yes. donkeys. We actually just had a baby donkey. <laughs> How many <laughs> donkeys do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a lot. We have yeah. three. We have three now. What do you do with like them? It's more like two and a half because baby's a baby. You just let them. Bees. Yeah, they just—they <laughs> don't need do much. The kids play with them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're pretty docile. I, I yeah. love it. Okay, <laughs> guys. Well, 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 welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for letting me read all of that oh, and butcher bet. butcher the first part. Okay, so I, I want to start out. I have a lot of questions to ask. I'm I'm really excited to talk about branding and marketing. Mm. That's I geek out on that, and I, and you guys are like wizards at that. That's all we know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but but g- give me the backstory. So so take me back to. Before 11 years ago, you know, give me a little bit of like childhood. I grew up here. I did this. We got married. T- take us yeah. on your journey. Ooh, yeah. it's a fun one. That's <laughs> a good journey. For me personally, I was 13 years old. My best friend in middle school gives me a call. He says, hey, you want to make some money this summer? I was like, yeah. <laughs> he goes, great. Um, meet me in my neighborhood. So my mom drives me wait, over where, to- where, where are you from? In Coppell. Okay. So you're just yeah. up the road. Just up the road. Okay. So we drive over to his neighborhood. Mom drops me off. And in his, he's got this little box with him. And in the box <clears throat> is these, these like metal stencils with numbers in them. He's got a can of spray paint. And he's like, we're, we're going to make more money this summer than you ever knew was possible. Was like, Those were his exact words. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this friend. And I'm like, all right, what are we doing? And he goes, we're going to spray paint the numbers, the house numbers on the sides of curbs. Uh-huh. I was driving around and I saw that there's so many of these house numbers that are like faded or people don't have them. We're going to charge $10 a piece. So we're just going to knock doors and spray paint these house numbers on curbs. So I'm like, awesome. Let's do it. Uh-huh. So 13 year olds, we just go knock doors. And I'm telling you, it was like every house we knocked. They said yes, and so we. And were you the talker, or was he the talker? We like who were? We're, you know, it's funny because you know now he actually has his own amazing entrepreneurial story <laughs> in the tech world, but we're very similar, you know, in kind of our personalities. So that that was your intro into that was my intro into so I'm making we, we money made a hustling. lot of money that <laughs> summer, and it was like okay, like we, I know I know guys that are sixteen working at Chili's that don't make this kind of money. And, you know, their whole year, like, we made this in a summer. Yeah. Let's do it again next summer. And so the next summer we started getting into, like, buying clocks from Walmart and ripping the faces out of these little plastic clocks and replacing them with custom-designed, like, collegiate <laughs> logos, <laughs> having no idea there was such thing as trademarking and copyright infringement. And so we had started selling these on, on uh, eBay. And then we had the University of Baylor send us a cease and desist no to my way. friend's parents' house. <laughs> <That's> fantastic. <laughs> and and so his dad comes into our room or to, into his room. He's like, guys, you can't do this. What are you doing? <laughs> were you just like buying stickers? Like we're no, we're like we're like on Photoshop designing. Like we have this this template made. We're like cutting them out of paper uh-huh. and then placing them in these clocks. We're, we're buying for two dollars a piece at Walmart. Selling them for fifteen bucks on eBay. Brad, I love it. I mean, it's just like the <laughs> I love it. enterprising young dudes. And uh, so, anyways, he had to send a, a letter back to Baylor apologizing, but informing them that it's his fourteen-year-old son and his friend 
<laughs> and so they ended up calling his dad and were like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. They can't do this, but. We're going to give you a scholarship to the business <laughs> yeah. school. Yeah, right. And so anyways. Missed it was opportunity. <laughs> just that encouragement. Well. Every summer from then on out, we did everything from graphic design to screen printing. We bought a, a, a four-head screen printing press, an eight-head press the next year. We got into doing consulting by the time we were 17, like having no idea, no business being able to, to be Wait, this. Wait, who, who, who were you consulting? It was like it was like churches and schools and little Wait, startups. Wait, pitch me on that. Oh How, what are we you had, consulting on? Oh, we, it was so funny. So, <clears throat> for instance, we had a... a so we have this screen printing press, right? And so we've got an eight-head press. By the time we're 17, we're producing thousands of shirts for, like, school districts and small businesses. And we're also um, working on design, right? So we've learned Photoshop at a young age. We understand apparel at some degree. And a lot of these school districts and small businesses, like, they just need help to understand how to, you know, Design a T-shirt, or, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, to to help their branding improve a little bit, and so they're calling us, thinking we're an agency. Okay, <laughs> we're two seventeen-year-olds, and so we're like informing them on, you know, hey, if you want to build a, a stronger brand, you know, here's our recommendations. We'll go ahead and produce this for you, and it's it's basic design stuff. Well, the uh, <laughs> the young life in uh, Coppell Irving Valley Ranch gave us a call, <clears throat> and they were like, hey, you did a project for one of our other campuses. We want you to do a project for us, and we want to do some custom branding. We want to do screen printing, um, and there was something else that they wanted. But we want you to come meet uh, in our offices. And we were like, okay. Because <laughs> they don't know you're 17. <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> that you're, you could be a Young Life kid. Yes, yes. that we Should were Young Life kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have like a company name and stuff? Yeah, or? the company name for the screen printing was Mercy Print, uh -huh. and um, and then we had also an apparel brand that we called Cairo Clothing. Okay, and so Brad, this is incredible. It's so fun. It was I so fun. Love and it was things that we just thought was common. Like mm -hmm. we thought every every kid's doing. Did you? That. Were you read, did you read like books on on I hate that? Reading. <laughs> I hate reading. I'm like starting You'd to learn the value of it. And did you know what you were doing? Or you just like we're really good at pitching sales salesmen. Yeah, we're like, just we're just talking to people. It's amazing yeah. when you just open a conversation. And did your parents like were your parents that way? Like, um, you know, my dad's a small business owner, okay. so he owns a he owns a small boutique electrical repair mm -hmm. shop in in Highland Park. So I mean, he's like he gets to work with the cream of the crop, you know, yeah. celebrities and all the mm -hmm. the wealthy folk. And so he's he's learned how to like how to have a small business with etiquette. Mm -hmm. And so he trained me on on social etiquette. Okay. Social situational awareness. Yes. This episode is sponsored by the Fort Worth Business Press. As a Fort Worth entrepreneur and small business owner, the Business Press is my favorite source for news and updates about the entrepreneurial community in and around Fort Worth. I read their email newsletter literally every day. It's always full of insights and stories that really matter. Are you ready to be more connected? Sign up for their free newsletter at fortworthbusinesspress.com. But if you're like me and the newsletter just isn't enough, you can become an insider. With the code STORYTELLING10, all one word, you'll get a discount on the insider membership. Insiders receive exclusive access to special content, 24 issues of the Business Press delivered to your door each year, and discounts on event registrations and more. 
Join me and the Forward Business Press in staying up to date on the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. Emotional intelligence. Like literally what you just described is my dream for my kids. Mm. Yes. Like I want that. Cause that's like, you can't, you can't buy that kind of education yeah. and that sort of like, like the other day my, my, my daughter came and she, she was like, I want to set up a marshmallow stand outside. Like, please <laughs> and I was bring like, it. All right. That's Let's really go. weird. Is <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> a buck? A bowl of marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> and people yeah. would walk by. That's awesome. <laughs> she was like, "You want to buy a marshmallow?" And they're like, "No, but I'll give you money." Yeah. Anyways, I was I was very proud. But like yeah. literally that, I'm like, I I like it is. If you could teach you know mm-hmm. teenagers entrepreneur like mm-hmm. how to start a business, how to yeah. make money, how to think mm-hmm. outside the box, how to pitch something and sell yourself, and you know be confident and price it. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I mean, we've been a- having conversations about that. Like somehow trying to bring that into our kids' school. Mm-hmm. Like if we had a life skills class and you came and taught a section on entrepreneurship, I just feel like all schools need that these days because yeah. kids just have no idea that entrepreneurship is a legitimate is a thing. thing that yeah. you should pursue if it's mm-hmm. in your heart. Yeah, I didn't even know what that word was yeah. or what it meant. No, me either. The French do it. Entrepreneurship. Is that true? No, no. no. <laughs> Fact check. That. that sounds. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. So we had. Um, so, so as so as a kid, you you were this hustling high school yes. kid, selling and consulting and printing and, yes. and doing all that. And I went to a great college, Abilene <clears throat> Christian University. Okay. And you met so you her w- there. Went to, and what you studied in college? Marketing. Marketing. Okay. But you know what college did? Is it talked me out of entrepreneurship? Mm-hmm. It talked me into the safe life, mm. the American dream, the Get the job, retire quick, you know, I mean, work as hard as you can, grind in your 20s, hustle in your 30s, retire in your 40s kind of thing. And it's like there was um, <clears throat> there was an appeal to that as a young kid, you know, and I'd forgotten the sweet life of entrepreneurship. <laughs> the I, sweet life. I had. Like, it's so funny because, you know. You, Sometimes it's sweet. It's a bittersweet life. It is bittersweet, but it's, yeah. it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's the thing that you, if it's. I've always said, you know, if you're if you're failing at entrepreneurship, or if it's hard, I shouldn't say failing. If it's hard and it's challenging, you have the ability and the opportunity to correct it, mm-hmm. you know, or to or control to, your own destiny to yeah, some degree, mm-hmm. right? And to and to and to choose, you know, how you're going to maneuver in it. You know, if it's for somebody else, it's amazing how how many people work harder than the founder and get little reward out of it and don't get the ability to guide it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's so great that we have people who, who are great workers mm-hmm. and, and there's a need for that. Yeah. And supporters and, and helpers. Supporters, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> but there are more people that have the gift of building who have been stifled by the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing when you're a kid, you're not worried about if you have bread on the table. Yeah. You got, you got your, your parent, there's, yes. there's food in the pantry. <laughs> yes. That you didn't buy. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. you, if you, that's, if you that's take a good point. You re, it gives, you have the safety net. You have the safety net. Yeah. If you take fear <clears throat> out of the equation and as a kid, you don't like fear is not even a part of the equation. So if you take fear out of the equation and you only have the opportunity, then all you're left with it with is the ability to perform. And, uh, and so it's something that we've, we've instilled and and wanted to teach into our kids and the next generation is first off, we want to set them up for financial success. You know, there's, there's a generational wealth component to, uh, I think a call that we have generationally over our children. We, Mm -hmm. we, we need to be able to, to, um, set them up so that, you know, they have the opportunity 
to build. Um, and then second, to be able to train them, teach them. But I think it's just so much, it's so much less of like a, of a, of an oral vocal training. It's so much more of it. Like get out there, mm -hmm. just go paint curbs, just go knock mm -hmm. on doors yeah. and hear no of fear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When, when our son was seven, we got him a handful of chickens and they got to laying age. And so they're laying all these eggs and we have like an abundance of eggs, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we're sitting there looking at our fridge and it's got, I don't know, eight, nine so many cartons eggs. of, you know, dozens of eggs. And so I told our son, we're like, Hey, you want to make some money? <laughs> he was like, yeah, like go knock on doors around the neighborhood and just sell these eggs and just see what happens. And so you imagine like a seven year old boy knocking on a door with a little like sheepish look on his face and nobody says no they're like yeah, I don't, no, i'm not yeah. i don't eat eggs but yeah i'll take it i'll take yeah. a garden we're like yeah here's five bucks like yeah. nobody turns a kid down <laughs> and you know it was a short-lived little venture for him but <clears throat> he got to see no isn't as scary as you think it is mm -hmm. you know being rejected at a at, on a sale isn't as scary as you think it is it's it's the open door to an opportunity like it's it's when you can get past the nose um, this is one of the greatest moments of my early career was in college. I got to knock doors and sell pest control in Colorado. And first off, there's no bugs in Colorado. So, like, <laughs> nobody has a need for this. But it was awesome. I thrived. But the greatest thing I learned was, was you know, I got probably 30 no's for one yes. And I got to the place where I almost craved the next no because I knew it got me one step closer to the yes. Mm. And so it was, it was, you know, it was this moment where I got to realize I really enjoy the no, you know, because I'm learning. But that's a mind shift. Mm -hmm. mind, totally. Mindset shift. Mm -hmm. Yes. You have to have done it. Are you like telling yourself that? Because um, I'm sure there was also some like, oh man. Yeah. You beat yourself up on it. Yeah. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's learning anything, yeah. you know, you. The no you got you one up. step closer to the yes. yes. Yeah. You beat yourself up and you realize you look back and go, oh my gosh. Thank you. That was, I actually needed that, mm. you know, and you're grateful for it later. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not now, yeah. but later. Yeah. yeah. Man, you're dropping some bombs. This is good. <laughs> Come on. But, but the idea of fear out of the equation, like, like I, I, I honestly think that's probably one of the keys to my success yeah. was very early on. And, and I know y'all are, y'all are people of faith, but like my faith for me, I was like, I can't mess up. Mm. Yeah. I'm like, God loves me. He's for me. I know what the end is. I'm like, I can kind of do whatever I want because there's no failure. It's like having a lotto ticket in my pocket. That's right. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I know the end is good. It, yeah. but it removed that fear. Mm -hmm. And we all, we all have moments of fear. Like there's moments yeah. of like self-doubt. Yeah. We, 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 you have that. But, but if you can, you know, whether speak it to yourself, you know, but, but just that removal of fear, removal of no, removal of giving it your all and messed up and like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. if you can insulate yourself from the fear, fear holds people back. So, yes. so man, mm -hmm. couldn't agree more. That's a 100%. fantastic word. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, Jenny. <laughs> so before we 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 were you're about to converge on college on our stories here. Yeah. <laughs> college <laughs> meeting. Yeah. To, to give me give me a little bit of your background. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in an Air Force family. So we traveled around um, a lot in my younger years. I'm one of four. I have three older brothers. Mm. 
Um, they were always super tough on me growing up. So, <laughs> so you it, had this kind of rough and tumble. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I was telling a friend the other day, I was like, I was such a tomboy growing up. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's cause my family considered me to be the fourth brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, it was great. Uh, we ended up moving to Nebraska when I was in first grade mm-hmm. and I ended up going all the way through first grade through high school there. We didn't move again, which was really great for me. My brothers moved around a ton. So Um, that was a hard transition for them, but I got lucky, got to have stability. Um, and my outlet growing up was sports. So pretty much played every sport under the sun. Um, I think it was by the time I was in middle school, I decided volleyball was my thing. Mm -hmm. And so started playing volleyball. I did not have a job (laughs) growing up because most of my time was spent in the gym and going to games and all. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a full-time job that well, I guess kids in college get paid for it now, but <laughs> it was not that not way for then. us back yeah, back then. Um, so, yeah, I grew up with a family that my dad was in the military for 26 years before he retired, you know, doing various jobs in that. Um, but we weren't entrepreneurial or anything. My mom stayed home. She was mm-hmm. awesome to raise all of us and keep us all somewhat in line <laughs> all the time. And so then I got recruited to play volleyball at Abilene Christian down here in Texas. Um, My thought process was, I love Nebraska, but I want to go see the world a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to go see Abilene. (laughs) And, you know, growing up in Nebraska, Abilene seemed like a big town. Um, I love it. That's a big move, though. When we met, she was like, okay. I'm going to stay in Texas forever. Uh-huh. I was like, you've Based only been in Abilene. Abilene. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was like, okay, we got to go see Fort Worth. Uh-huh. Like, we have yeah. to see some places. Yeah. yeah. I just remember I came down on my recruiting trip, and they were bringing me into the campus center or something like that, and a guy opened the door and held it open for me. And I, like, made this awkward Midwestern, like, you go, yeah, me, like, I didn't know what to do because uh-huh. they just don't do that up there. And he was like, no, you go ahead. I was like, I called my mom. Mom, oh my gosh, like somebody held the door open for uh, me. They're so it. nice here. She's like, he wanted to kill you. No. no. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyways, yeah, uh, came so, down. And did you play all in, all in college? <clears throat> yeah, I uh, played all four years. My senior year was best season. Um, ended up first team academic All-American, honorable oh. mention All-American on the athletic side, um, and our team Made it to regionals, almost knocked off the top team. We lost in five. That was too bad, but um, it was fantastic. And uh, I just have the best memories of it and actually just had an alumni weekend back there with my teammates. So I'm a little bruised because we were playing. Did you play? We were playing, uh, and I am a little out of practice on that. So so, so, <laughs> one, so one thing I love about college athletes is they're so disciplined mm-hmm. so I was I was honestly had a conversation this weekend with one of my my good friends about why you should always try to hire ex-college athletes mm, yeah because they're inc- like they're driven they know they know what coaching looks like they mm-hmm. know how to coach people up uh time management time management yeah. like some of my best two of my best employees I've ever had have like have been even like Kayla, who was just here, she played soccer at, at Tech. And, oh, wow. And, and anyways, yeah. I'm a huge fan of like trying to hire college athletes because mm. they know, because that's a lot of work. When I mean, you're yeah. going to school full time right. and you're playing full time and you're practicing all that. All, and then throw that. in a boyfriend and okay. it was <laughs> like three full time jobs. <laughs> 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 yeah. So we met uh, two months into my freshman year. He's a year older. 
Okay. And uh, I always say he stalked the volleyball team, but. I showed up to one game. <laughs> that might not be the whole truth. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, really cool when we, yeah. we met. Um, it's funny. I mean, just in my, in my spirit, I just heard this word. This is your wife. Mm. And it was just the most, it was the first time I'd ever really heard, you know, in my spirit, the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And so I, I called my mom. I'm like, you're never going to believe this. This is, I, I know I'm going to sound crazy, <laughs> but you're this what, is what 19? I heard. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it's the same thing. It's like, I, I pursued her without fear. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like, this is just what's going to happen. You know, we're just going to get married. And, and so I, I, uh, do what. I did. Did you tell her that? No. 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 <laughs> he says he pursued me without fear, but he uh, actually was very afraid. Was of- afraid of her. <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay. Not afraid of not being married to her, but afraid yeah. of her. She's just an intense girl. Yeah. Well. But it's it's uh it's something that we've we've we, you know we talked to our kids about now. It's not something I was taught, but something I learned in that season was to pursue her for marriage mm-hmm. and and date her along the way. Mm-hmm. And um, something I didn't do, I dated girls, you know, in high school and college, not pursuing them for marriage. But as soon as I just had this word that she was going to be my wife, it was like, I'm, I'm pursuing her for marriage. And so it just made dating fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we were really. Well, we had a we had fun. a period, too, of just being friends. Um, we had a big group mm-hmm. of uh, college friends that we all just kind of ran around with. And um, I know he had just gotten out of a relationship. And so I, in my mind, I'm like, OK, I don't want to be, you know rebound or anything like that so we just started off as friends and quickly just like could not be out of each other's presence (laughs) and I was like okay I think maybe we should start dating and we're and so were you intense like that was that was a word you just like uh she's she's an intense person (laughs) she's she's passionate yeah Uh especially with volleyball I mean she you know she was she was the lead of the team you know I mean you you were the lead is the she's the authority She's the she's the energy. Um, so she like do you she have a lot of drive? Heat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially volleyball was was my you know world. I'd done I'd mm. done it my whole life, and so I remember uh, my freshman year, um, I was a starter, and one of the uh, upperclassmen, like I'd just come into practice and I'd you know be bringing the intensity. Like I'm talking all the time. I'm yelling. I'm just out there. And uh, after practice one day, she came up to me and she was like, Jenny you're being a little bit too intense and we really need you to like tone it down. And I was really offended. I was like, are you serious? Like you need to be more intense. That was my my reaction. So I go to the coach's office and I'm like, okay, coach, you know, she just told me this. Um, I want to submit it to you because you know, you're, you're the authority, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, we love your intensity. Please keep bringing it. In fact, at the next practice, I don't want you to say anything. You're going to be quiet the entire practice and let's see how it goes. And I was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> and so the next practice, I didn't say anything at all. And we had a terrible practice. Mm. And coach was like, okay, guys, listen, we need this level of intensity. And this is what helps our team perform better. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like all of us need to step it up in this department. But it just was kind of a fun learning moment of like, okay, maybe I can channel this better so that, you know, it's not, I don't know, distracting from the team or whatnot, but like God's made me to be an encourager. And Mm -hmm. sometimes in that I can be very intense with that encouragement, um, exhortation over people, but it's just who God's made me to be. Yeah. And I I love that you are 
self-aware of that and confident in that. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't always that way, yeah. you know. Having that conversation was just kind of like, oh, man, am I doing something wrong, you know. I think when you're a college kid, you do have that fear of man, fear of failure mm -hmm. uh, aspect. And so as I've been able to be out, what, 12 years, however long it's been, uh, God's been able to reshape that and show me who I am, who he's made me to be, and then now I get to walk in that and have his joy and bring that with me in mm -hmm. the intense encouragement <laughs> that I'll, that I'll bring places. Yeah. No, yeah. I, lo I love that. And I, I was literally just having a conversation with my wife cause she, she is intense. She yeah. is like, has a goal. She chases after it. She is, you know, and, and she's like, anyway, so, so sometimes people push back yeah. and people are like, you're, you're too intense. Yeah. I, I feel like they say that less with guys. I feel like I, like we can get like, there's just a stigma around mm. women being really, really driven. Yeah, and, for sure. And 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 pushing. And and I was like, well, you know, that's who you that's who you are. That's mm -hmm. your superpower. That's why your organization is where it's at. Like you, you don't shy away from that. You need to know when you're like beating people over the head with it. There's, <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a self awareness of, but I, but I think embracing it as like a gift. And everyone has different gifts. Like my assumption is part of your gift is, is the ability to speak and communicate. Mm. Like just sitting here, I'm like, you are a master at. Mm -hmm selling and communicating and pitching <laughs> yeah. but having like a vision and a drive and the discipline to like push you know to accomplish something and then to motivate other people like mm. that's a that's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. yeah it is yeah. it is yeah. it's been cool that's been probably her most attacked area has been has been just the area of her of her um her compassion and her and her drive and her pushing mm -hmm. and it's been the area that she's just got I've just gotten to see her like conquer mm. and come alive in. So it's been fun. It's a really neat area. Yeah. Love it. I love yeah. it. Okay. So y'all started dating, got, got married eventually. Yeah. Yep. yep. And you, so you, 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 Brad, you said you went to school for marketing yep. and you want, you played it safe, played it safe, meaning you went and worked, you worked for other for a company. Okay. You know, I did that for way longer than I really, you know, looking back, I think I worked there for about four and a half some odd years. And well, and, getting married right out of college, they're, you know, going through college made him believe like, okay, I'm getting married. I need to have something stable for mm -hmm. yeah. my family. And so it just made sense to hop right into this job, right into this role. Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at sixappstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at Six App Storytelling to help small businesses grow. Go download it today at sixappstorytelling.com slash download. We also, you know, I mean, one of the one of the things I was taught both in school and growing up was, you know, to buy assets to at a mm -hmm. young age, buy assets, home, you know, something that's going to increase in value, buy into these things that are going to help build you for the future. And so we bought a home. I mean, it was like, I don't know, six months into my career, we were, we were fortunate enough mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. to be able to have the opportunity to put some a little bit of money down and buy a little 1979 Fox and Jacobs home mm -hmm. and. Um, so, you know, we had the house, we had the cars and, you know, I bought into the fact that, you know, you just got to have a stable job that's going to, you know, stay around. You're going to have the job security and all those lies. And so, um, I was there four and a half years. I remember the first week that I worked at this company, it's not that it was a bad company. It was just what it was. I got my calculator out and counted how many days until 65 years old. 
how many days I'd have to work until I got to retire. And it just hit me in that moment. You know, it took me four and a half years after that to do something about it. But it hit me in that moment that this is not what I'm made to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know what it was, though. Um, so fast forward four and a half years, I'm talking to a buddy. <clears throat> he tells me, hey, you know, I've seen you kind of work with small businesses and realtors and people who call you and they want you to help them build their brands. You know, they don't know really who they are and the way that you are able to communicate, help them communicate their, not just themselves, but really understand what they, what they have of value, you know, that maybe is the intangible that they can't quite discern about themselves. I've seen you draw that out in people. So I want you, I want you to consider building an agency and doing this at a more professional level. I was like, Bro, I know like two people in agencies and I don't I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, Well, pray about it. Talk to Jenny about it, who at the time she was super risk averse. Yeah. You know, I mean military minded still, very mm-hmm. she was okay with my career. <laughs> and and so I got home, I told her about this. Hey babe, um, what do you think? <laughs> if and she she was just like, Okay, you know, let's do this. You know, I'm just seeing the way you come home from work mm-hmm. and you're dying on the inside. And this mm-hmm. isn't you. And so she, she shared later how nervous she was about that decision, <laughs> but she submitted to it. And it was just a beautiful open door for us to chase after something that we had no idea what it was. And so I started this little agency. And in fact, you know, one of the things I did was um, similar to this. I started to go out. And find these local businesses around Coppell. I just knocked on their doors. And I was like, hey, can I tell your story? Mm. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just want to bring in like a little camera crew. And I want to interview. I'm going to shoot a bunch of B-roll. <clears throat> take about a week or two to produce this. And then I'm going to put this onto a, a platform on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And share it under a a, a, a a platform series called Roots. And everybody that I came to said yes. And mm-hmm. so I had like all of Coppell, like <laughs> the whole community of Coppell was like, had a root story. Yeah. And that was immediately, they all, they all became clients. They were like, okay. Yeah, did they become clients? All of them. Mm-hmm. Every, I think all but genius, one. Genius, But it was because one of them was the Chamber of Commerce. Like I told one oh, of the, yeah, the yeah. director of the chamber, I told her personal story. And um, so that was kind of my open door and and just had this immediate bank of clients. And then- course word of mouth grew and, and, w- and what were y'all doing as an agency it was specifically creative agency so okay. i mean it was everything from you know i would start at a bare level of just again understanding who this who this person people company is what they stand for represent their mission mm-hmm. vision values but then it was identifying gaps in the market i mean there, there's so I'm, I'm sure you see this all the time it's like it's not necessarily about what you do that brings something new to the table it's not your value differentiator um, so much as it is, you've got to look at an industry and see where there's missing pieces. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing new under the sun, then you've got to find the places between the sun and here mm-hmm. where there are gaps and open doors. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it was identifying those places with them. What are the opportunities? What are people asking for? Like if you listen to the questions of consumers and you can hear what they're actually asking for, that nobody's solving that problem. Go find that. Mm-hmm. Go solve that problem. 
And so giving them first off that ability to see that problem to be solved, but then second, to give them the confidence to go and solve it. You're the right person for the job, and here's why. And to be able to build a brand up around them mm-hmm. that really I always said, you know, branding, it, it wasn't like putting on a mask. You know, villains wear masks mm-hmm. to cover up the things that they want to hide, but heroes wear capes. Mm. And so I'm going to put on a cape to find the things about you that really are your superpowers that maybe you thought were were setbacks, but they really are the superpowers that make you great. Mm-hmm. And so at a, at a very small business level, it was just me and she was helping and, and we had like maybe one contractor that was doing some design stuff and, and it just grew and it grew into mid-market businesses and VC-backed startups and, you know, this, this whole realm and never wanted to work with, with, um, you know, any, any sort of the bureaucratic organizations and get into the, the that game. Mm-hmm. But I loved working with mid-market businesses and helping them understand really, you know, who they are. How can they strengthen themselves? Helping them articulate it and then yes. build a brand around that. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember even, you know, Four Corners Brewery was yeah. one of our clients and they were in this transition of um, seeing that they, they had a massive open door to a Hispanic millennial community that mm-hmm. was second generation Americans. And that Modelo was not their brand. Mm-hmm. Corona was not their brand. You know, like all of these, you know, Mexican beer brands were not their brand. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really have a brand. And so they just saw this opportunity that, you know, they had a Hispanic founder with, he was second generation. You know, his his passion was, was um, getting to kind of lean into that generation and mm-hmm. pour into them. And so their next question was like, how do we, how do we go after this generation and this demographic in an authentic manner where we don't, it doesn't seem like we're, you know, we were once, you know, four corners, but now we're like going after a new demo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just having the ability to, to kind of learn communication strategy, you mm-hmm. know, what is, what's real, you know, we're not going to create narratives and, and, and communication strategies that are just you know, sound good, we're going to find what's real in there and, and, and communicate that. And so there's just so many of those opportunities that, that kind of kept knocking on our door that I fell in love with getting to be this for other brands. But what it was missing is I wanted to build a brand myself. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't feel like you were doing that with the agency? No, okay. no, because you don't have ownership. You don't ultimately get to make a decision. You yeah. get to advise and inform. Yeah. You're then, kind of a consultant. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Anyways, and so you know, and not getting to see the Im- implementation of the brand going right. forward. It's like here's the package, and then so you do it. So you yeah. would say, okay, let me, you know, get to know you, understand who you are, find your niche. You know, here's how you talk about it. What, what like, what would you do with it then? Was like, would you say, here's your website, social media, yeah, photography. Like Logo. here, here's the here's their strategy. Yeah. Go. Is that, is that, yeah. It's kind of like if you think about a, um, a, uh, what do they call them? An iron, uh, an iron smith. What are they? Blacksmith. Blacksmith. The blacksmith would make weapons for the military Mm -hmm. and then they would just deliver the weapons. And so it's up to the military to learn how to train their troops. Yeah. You know, use them. And so we were kind of like the blacksmiths, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like my job was to create assets to then deliver. And yes, we would give them basic instruction. But I mean, we didn't have a we didn't have a strategy team. 
we didn't have a you know a, a, a consulting advising team yeah like that we, we didn't have marketing teams. you were just the wizard at uh, of we'll uh, just we'll just give you the tools yeah hmm. and let me and I, i'm really good at understanding and communicating yeah for you mm -hmm. yeah okay so you yeah. give them the tools so you so you're, so you're restless because i am <laughs> i don't get to do <laughs> you're anything like, you're like i'm crafting these brands yes. but then i don't get to control their destiny mm -hmm. i see so many designers getting this rut too you know mm -hmm. designers like they have this passion for design but it's not just for the sake of creating artwork they want to do something with that artwork yeah and so they they do it for other people they see the p potential of it and then it's not used to its fullest potential mm -hmm. and so it's like oh this wrestle in their soul yeah of you know they want to create something of their own and so I had this yearning, but it wasn't as strong as like shutting down the agency and moving to something else. It was and Jenny, you're you're working at the agency too. N well, no, I was mostly. Uh, we'd had like right before he stepped out to start the business. Um, our son was seven months old, I think. So in the trenches of that, and mm. then two but and su half. but supporting. Yeah, just being the um, come home, bounce ideas off, or hey, this client, I had this with them. I don't know, kind of being like you a, handle them. Yeah, no. <laughs> kind of being, I mean, like kind of a HR for you a little mm -hmm. bit, but just kind of being I a sounding, it. yeah, being a sounding board. And you the, and you hadn't started the sign. No, nope. no. Nope. Um, I actually was working part time at a chiropractic office just to have some like adult time outside of uh, mom time. So okay. kind of just <laughs> just to get a, just just being out interacting with uh, people that I'm not yeah. changing diapers. Yeah, so, I get that. Yeah, get it was that. it was a really sweet season. Um, but yeah, not. Didn't have a creative itch in my soul yet. Uh, just was really supporting his dream and watching, you know, the fruits of that mm -hmm. kind of impact our family from yeah. from the beginning. So, but but started to get restless. Starting to mm -hmm. get restless. I want to fight with the sword, not just make the sword. That's right. <laughs> if we're That's right. Carrying this analogy, yeah, yes, totally. forward. Wow. And I want to be the one, you know, like leading the army. You know, okay. it's like I just I want this. <laughs> I like we're two, we're two leaders. Yeah, we're two leaders. To, now my battle is no. I need to get this crown off my head, Lord. Mm -hmm. This is yours. Like mm -hmm. let me. Yeah. I got to. I got to take this away. And um, so I was, uh, you know, just patiently waiting for an opportunity should it arrive. And it's funny because we had so many friends who, you know, through those seasons were like, hey, I've got this idea. You want to you join in with me? And we kind of like kick it around for a little bit. And it's mm -hmm. like, this isn't viable. Neither one of us know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a client who was, um, had this vision for starting a hunting retail store mm. in Corsicana. And <clears throat> it was a really cool vision. You know, it was kind of like, I think REI, meets Cabela's mm -hmm. and it's got like a coffee shop in it and a craft cocktail bar and mm. it's it's like it's like a hangout spot um for hunters well sort of you know that's kind of the or thing out, is it was doors it, the original vision was that it was for hunters and it wasn't mm. yeah um and his original vision was was that it would be a place where like moms would come instead of coffee shops they would come here and hang out well I didn't grow up hunting so I kind of mm. had this perspective of mm -hmm. hunters and i think it's what most people who aren't hunters have it's like camo bullets blood death ted nugent yes 100 <laughs> percent. it's the nra yeah. you know yeah. mindset and so i wasn't PETA, but i certainly wasn't nra either mm -hmm. and so he's telling me this this pipe dream and i was like bro listen <laughs> <laughs> if you can get a 30 something year old mom to walk into the same store that Bubba with bloody camos walking into, like you are living in some world I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And he goes, he goes, well, how do you connect the two? You know, because there's a connection between the two. And I said, listen, I mean, hunters are the way they are. And normal humans aren't that way. And he was like, hang on. Who, tell me some of your friends that hunt. I was like, listen, I'm more domestic than you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have class. And so do my friends. You know, we, we, we hunt at the grocery store. Yeah. Like, we don't need to kill more animals. And he was like, all right, go ask some of your friends. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, go ask them how many of them hunt. I bet you almost all of them do. I was like, whatever. So I did. I just called, hey, weird, weird question. You hunt? Almost all my friends hunted. Okay. I was like, what you in just the didn't world? Know. Mm-hmm. Like, how come I've known you your whole life? How come I never knew this? You know? Like, it's just kind of a private piece of me. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a spiritual getaway. It's a connection with nature. It's, mm-hmm. and they never talked about killing. It was always about that Being journey. outside. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like they talk about everything up until the shoot, mm-hmm. until they pulled the trigger or pulled the, pulled the uh, uh, shot the arrow. And I'm like, okay, something's, okay, all right, I get it. There's a, there's a perspective I'm missing here. And so I came back to him and I told him, yeah, there's a perspective I'm missing. But the people who don't hunt, who don't get it, who don't see that perspective, see it like I see it now. And so, you know, if you want to accomplish this, You've got to change the minds of everybody who's like me and everybody who's like more on the PETA side. Mm-hmm. You've got to change their minds if you want this idea to exist. He goes, okay, change their minds. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> it was just a big enough challenge that I was up for it. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how, but I, you know, after thinking about it, I went, okay, how do you change the minds of an entire culture? Through media. You know, media has the impact to do amazing things or amazing things positively or negatively. And so if you want to change a culture, you change the media. You change the narrative. And what is the current narrative? You know, I think we can all stereotype the narrative of hunting. We can all stereotype the, the narrative of vegetarianism, veganism. Mm-hmm. And neither one really probably have a good um, description on them because I know vegans and vegetarians who are not the stereotype. I know hunters who are not the stereotype. Yeah. But if we could somehow separate those stereotypes, find common ground, and build a community around that common ground, and it won't be everybody, but if we could at least bridge a gap. Mm-hmm. And so that was me. That was the gap that I had to find and bridge. And so well, the only thing I knew how to do was to rewrite the narrative and tell a different story through visual media. But I knew that it wasn't supposed to be digital media. It was supposed to be, you know, anchored in print. Because if I know anything about outdoorsmen, there's this there's this legacy and heritage nature to outdoorsmen. They want tangible, something tactile, right? So um, there's just something in me that was like, we're, we're going to create a book. I don't know what that looks like. We're going to create a book that's going to be visual in its nature. It's going to be... It's going to be diplomatic in its tone. It's going to be beautiful and insightful, and it's going to be scientific, and it's also going to be historical. There's going to be archaic nature to it, yet also modernity in it. And it's going to be called Modern Huntsman. It's going to be this idea of a of a of what a hunter really thinks about himself or herself, what a fisherman an angler actually feels about themselves is going to be 
visualized and represented in this book. But the only way to start a book is you got to start on digital. And so began a media platform through social media and, and, and leveraged <clears throat> digital advertising to kind of create this, again, visual persona that was kind of this, what I perceive to be the best of the communicable realm of the hunter and the fisherman. Mind you, I didn't have any experience in this world. And so part of me felt like a fraud, but part of me felt like the perfect person for the job. Yeah, and you're, you, you, I mean, that's what you do, did with companies. You're, that's right. You go in, and I Having, hear your story, and then I help you re-articulate. That's right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to, you yeah. have to be, you, you have, there, there's Helps so, to be outside a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need a subject matter expert, and you also need somebody who can come in with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had fresh eyes. I just didn't have a subject matter expert yet. And so with fresh eyes, created a media platform that I knew would be, you know, it would be it would be compelling in nature. And when you say media platform, what do you mean by that? Primarily Instagram. I mean, it okay. was like that was the the primary form of it. And and then we started to do, you know, videos, start to produce like short films. And with, like so, to clarify, this this is started with well, I'm going to create this, you know, coffee shop, gun store, yeah, hunting REI thing, yeah. Into I'm going to make a book. Into I'm going to now. I'm, are, you, are you trying to make money with it, or you're like this is just a challenge, and I am into this challenge of build telling the story. I just knew I wanted to build something. Okay, you know, and I so and it just it just kind of caught fire, and so then you're just like, all right, what's the next so you, thing? So you like, just started like posting. Yeah, I just started posting, and this and this version of the narrative that you felt like is missing in the world yeah. that bridges mm-hmm. the gap. Yeah. So and, you and finding the people, but there wasn't a business. Mm-hmm. No. It was a. It, it was just a story you wanted I to tell. I didn't know what it was. That's exactly right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I knew that I could. I could guide the narrative from vision to execution. Okay. This and, is your first step in in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since <laughs> since the high school days. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. One hundred percent. And so. And we okay. Pause real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, as his wife, mm-hmm. he doesn't hunt. Mm-hmm. He's. Were you like, what are you doing? Or were you? <laughs> no, it just like, kind of was like, you know, honey, I have this idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on one hand, it was weird that he was doing all this hunting stuff, but not actually hunting. Okay. And I'm like, we should probably go hunting if you're going to continue down this route at some point. She's um, a master marksman, by the way. Homegirl <laughs> really? home has shot uh, better than my, my, my army marksman cousin <laughs> in a shooting competition. Yeah. I love it. I forgot about <laughs> so that. So I'm. Again, still afraid. Selfishly, of I was bit. like, I, I've never done it. I want to go out. Let's do it. You uh-huh. know, now you have some connections. Um, no, but more so it was, you know, he can, when he gets passionate about something, you just want to join in on the journey. Okay. And yeah. so, you know, we kind of just saw where it was going and it was just, I mean, really kind of a passion. I mean, passion project that was happening alongside Right Brain Factory. And it was just igniting his creativity in a way that hadn't been since he started the agency. And, you know, I just saw him having so much fun with it. And so there wasn't really like a, hey, are you spending too much time on this? Mm -hmm. You know, kind of thing. It was just kind of like, oh, wow, yeah, that's this is really cool. And you can see the change starting to happen in the community. I mean, people just flocked to this Instagram account and it grew so quickly. And you just realized how much of uh, an impact it was having and and changing the narrative and and actually doing what you know they set it out was to do doing what yeah you, 
I mean, you remember when when Instagram was like nobody had a million followers, yeah. nobody, like maybe celebrities, but nobody. Mm-hmm. And hundred thousand followers was like, dang, you know. Mm-hmm. And they were real people, and they really contributed to your, you know, your 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 whole narrative. And, mm-hmm. and if you had a thousand followers, you had eight hundred likes. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like this was yeah. People the really algorithm did. was wide open. Oh. It was wide open. I miss those, those were the days. days. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so you know, it was like you know, big companies had. 20,000 followers kind of thing. So it was taken off quickly. Mm-hmm. It was taken off. Because what, how many, and how many people, how many people follow it right now? Now, it was, you know? it's like a hundred something. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, back then it, it went from like a thousand followers to 40,000 in like yeah, two months. Followers. So fast. Wow. And, but what's crazy is I was getting all of these DMs mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm behind whatever you're doing. I don't even know what it is, but I'm behind it. Count me in, like, I'll support with money, I'll support with my time. And so I just saw this movement happening. Mm. And that's like, people are like, they're like in this. They've kind of put a definition of what it is in their head. I'm like, help me. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just I have this idea, but I, I don't even know fully what it is. But I did know that it was a passion brand. And, you know, that's kind of what that. Oh, going back to our passion yes. brand. Yes. Okay, okay. And so it, it, was, a, it was a brand that people didn't um, just consume. They participated in. Had a passion for it, you know. Anytime that I want to, that I build a brand, I want it to be something that people are the primary passion creators in it. It's not me who's passionate trying to communicate my passion. Yeah, it's saying that we're we're creating some sort of a homogenous community here. We're not saying buy this thing, right? Yeah, we're we're saying we're this creating is a, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you call it a movement or a I don't know, a community, whatever yeah. it is, if there's something in it. That people are saying, I want to participate and contribute in some form or fashion. And so I had enough of this. And I, um, one of my first, the first people who outreached, who reached out to me, his name's Chris Douglas. And he's just this prolific photographer in the, in the outdoor, specifically Western world. So he like, he was a, he was the creative director for Filson for a time. Oh yeah. He was the creative their, director their for Stetson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he, um, you know, he's, he's just, he's the photographer for the Western world. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing artist, but he's also a businessman. And so he sends me this message. I know his name very well. And so I see this Chris Douglas photo in my inbox and I open it up and like my heart's racing <laughs> that Chris has seen me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he goes, um, I see what you're doing. Can we have a call? And I was like, great, because I don't see what I'm doing. So I want to hear what he thinks I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so we get on this phone call, and he goes, you are reshaping the story of hunting. And I love it. Um, I've been trying to do this my whole life, but I, I, it seems that nobody's cracked the code. You've cracked the code. And I was like, great. That's that sounds kind of like what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you're taking the best of, you know, the the artists and the photographers and the writers and scientists. You're taking all this stuff and you're just curating it to one platform. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. We need the best curator to curate you know, what we actually stand for, believe, represent, mm-hmm. um, in the right tone and the f- um, function and form of who we are. Um, he goes, but... You have to get this into print. I was like, I know, I understand. I, that's what I'm feeling too, but I don't know. Is this a what is this? It's not a magazine, you know. It's not a book. What is it? 
And he goes, um, have you been following indie print publications? That this whole idea kind of coming from Europe. Like, never heard of it. He goes, have you heard of Kinfolk Magazine and Serial Magazine? Like, yeah, just, you know, very loosely. They just came out <clears throat> into the States. And he goes, this is the, this is the future of print. It's going to be where <clears throat> you don't know if it's a coffee table book or if it's a magazine. Mm-hmm. It's not ad littered. It, in fact, it has ads all through it, but you never once know you're reading an ad. Mm-hmm. It's very native. It's very approachable. It's beautiful. Um, it's not hardcover. It's softcover, you know, but it's eight by 10 or it's nine by 12. It's where a, it looks beautiful on a It looks table. beautiful mm-hmm. and, and it's volume, it's volumized. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people stack them and, and they're 30 bucks a piece, but they're really catalogs more than anything else because they're ad littered. You just have no idea. And so he goes, I'm going to send you some books. So he sent me a few, those that I, I mentioned as well as, um, there was one that was done, you know, just a really great um, storytelling collective quarterly. It did an amazing job at storytelling of cities all across the country that were kind of hidden gems. And immediately, as soon as I saw this, it was like, this is what we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. We're going to produce indie publications, you know. And so we launched a Kickstarter campaign. I found a creative director who was the subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. His name's Tyler Sharp. And, um, and he became my creative director <clears throat> so I could run the company as best I knew how. Mind you, I'm not a great operator. I'm a really great brand builder, but I'm not mm-hmm. a great operator. And so off we went with this Kickstarter campaign. We raised the most money at the time that a publication project had ever raised, and it was like $150,000, something wow. like that, Kickstarter. Mind you, in the hunting world, you know. And so we have this cash. We find about 12 contributors who go and they shoot these projects all across the world, um, and and we create this print publication. And in the first, I think it was the first like year, we had about ten thousand subscribers to our 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 biannual print publication. Wow. So we've got like we've got the the cash flow we need to be sustainable. In and were you still year. doing the agency? Was still the doing the agency? Okay, still doing the agency. Yeah, and 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 it, it kind of all worked together. So actually, our agency office. We I partnered with Tyler, and so we we turned an agency office into the Modern Huntsman HQ, and so like my team would come work out of there, and he and I mm-hmm. would work out of there, and it was just a cool thing. But again, you know, we didn't have a great operator, and mm-hmm. so we were like two creatives, visionaries, passionate, making this beautiful thing. Oh my gosh, it's amazing! Yeah. But we have no idea how to run a company, do finances. We're like, oh my, God, we have to pay taxes again. Yeah. It happened again, you know. And all and all of it was going to the magazine. Yes. He wasn't taking a paycheck at that time. Yeah, we were and, literally just yeah. cash flow in, cash flow out. Yeah. yeah, we were month to month, and um, and along the way, in 2016, um, I I get another phone call from my. Uh, one of my former clients who he had sold a business, actually his 12th business that he'd, that he'd run, sold it, was consulting. He had hired my agency to do a project. He calls me back about six months later at the time that I'm, I'm launching Modern Huntsman. And he was like, hey, love what you did with our brand. Love what you're doing with Modern Huntsman. I want to sit down and chat about something else. So he pulls out this bottle of whiskey right here. and This <clears throat> actual this was it yeah iterations it long ago okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looked much different than that did. yeah and he pulls out this bottle of whiskey 
And it's, you can't, if you can't tell in the camera, it's got a piece of wood in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And that piece of wood, um, you know, is obviously odd. Mm-hmm. And so he sits down this bottle of whiskey with a piece of wood in it. And he goes, I have an idea. And he told me this story about how his brother, when he sold his last company, his brother had sent him a mason jar of whiskey that he distilled in his basement. So he's, think about the stereotype. He's the stereotypical home distiller, mm-hmm. you know, does everything in his basement. He's pure to the craft. Super passionate. Super mm-hmm. passionate. <laughs> and he doesn't have the necessity to buy a barrel because he's only distilling in one or two gallons at a time. So instead of aging his whiskey in the barrel, he's aging his whiskey in the bottle using barrel wood. Mm. And so he sends Joe this mason jar of whiskey with chunks of wood in it. So Joe opens his package and he goes, calls his brother up. He lives in Minnesota. And he goes, hey, what is this? And his brother's so excited to tell him about this whiskey. He's like, ah, no, 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 I don't drink whiskey. What's the wood in it? (laughs) And and his brother's like deflated, you know. He's like, oh, well, this is what home distillers do. We don't need a whole barrel. And for those that don't know, know, barrel, the barrel, the wood of the barrel is what actually produces the flavor and the color of whiskey. Yeah, because whiskey starts out clear. Clear Mm -hmm. and almost flavorless. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, think like uh, Everclear. Like it's, it's a very, you know. Almost flavorless product. I, d- I didn't know that until I went to the Jack Daniels distillery yeah. years and years ago, and I was like, it's clear? Yes. What? The wood is what makes it brown? The and wood is the taste The way it tastes? And yes. Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, yeah, so that totally makes sense. You yes. just put a piece of wood in there, and it does the same thing. And it does thing. something. It does something. We're mm-hmm. not sure exactly what it does yet. And so he says, you know, this is how home distillers do it. So Joe goes, okay, is it is it work? You know, not using a barrel, does it work? And he's like, eh. Kinda, you know, you really, you really should use a barrel, because a barrel is like it's like almost like our lungs, you know, it breathes with mm-hmm. oxygen, humidity, barometric pressure, temperature change, it, it it moves, and so the 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 whiskey goes into the fibers of the barrel and expresses back into the barrel over and over over years, and so there's this fluctuation of characteristics that are being developed because of the barrel. When you put the barrel in the bottle, it fully submerges. It's more like a tea bag where it releases flavor, absorbs whiskey, and it's done. It's inert mm-hmm. at that point. It's like, so, yeah, it kind of does a job, but it's not effective as a barrel is. So Joe sits there, and he goes, okay, um, who sells it like this? And his brother laughed. He said, well, obviously nobody. And Joe goes, why obviously? <laughs> he goes, well, Joe, that would be stupid. And he goes, ah. <laughs> the purist thinks it's stupid. The opportunist sees an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if every home distiller does it like this, but nobody manufactures or markets it this way, maybe there's an opportunity. So he calls his patent attorney. Patent attorney looks at him kind of puzzled and says, you know, nobody has done it this way. So let's apply some patents on to this technique of in-bottle 
something. So before he even made it, mm-hmm. he went straight to his patent attorney. Oh, right, man. Joe's an Cause, operator. Cause this this guy, <laughs> yeah. this guy's been around. He's he's been around. Started a business. He start like yes. Mm-hmm. He sees an opportunity and he's he's like, I know what to do yes. with that. So he's in his at the time he's in his early fifties. His name's Joe. Yeah, he's okay. got some age on. I me. need a I need a Joe. You in need my a Joe. Life. Everybody, everybody needs every a Joe. creative entrepreneur needs a Joe. Yeah, and 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 it, not just somebody with the expertise, but somebody who shares your vision, your values, who aligns. Mm-hmm. We've been in business together for six years now. We were just talking about this yesterday. We've never once had more than, hey, I disagree with that. I want to talk I want to talk it through. And that is the most precious quality to mm-hmm. have in a partner. So Joe, who's operations minded, he's he's an amazing CEO, right? Mm-hmm. He's thinking about that kind of stuff in advance. He's very prudent in how he thinks. And so um he uh he goes and discovers, of course, you know, aging whiskey in the bottle is not, first off, effective, nor is it a smart idea. You're just going to offend a lot of people by being that innovative or or, or, or novel. Mm-hmm. You need to still adhere to some level of tradition and heritage in this industry. Mm-hmm. And so there's this other process after aging where some distillers will take their fully aged whiskey and they will put it into a second barrel after it's done aging. That second barrel is usually made of a different wood species or it's aged another spirit like rum or mm. Cabernet or beer. And all you're doing is you're putting it in the second barrel to add new flavors. Yeah. Right? So it's not aging. It's not tradition. It's not law. It's mm. not religion. It's it's fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a new addition. And so... He sees this opportunity and goes, well, hang on. We shouldn't age the whiskey in the bottle, but what if we finished it? Double double barrel finished it in the bottle. Instead of putting the whiskey in the second barrel, we put the second barrel in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And so he applied for this patent, four patents actually, under the confines of this technique called in-bottle finishing, all four of which we've been awarded. Mm. So he comes and he sets this bottle of whiskey down. He has this pro forma built out that is beautiful. He's got He's got... This business plan that I'm just like, it's amazing. It's so amazing. And he goes, I'm going to do this. Uh, I, I see an opportunity here in this industry. I'm going to do this. But I know how to get the product from concept to, you know, completion in the product level. Mm-hmm. I know how to get distribution. I know how to do wholesale and manufacturing and build a, a workflow. But I don't know how to get consumers to want it. And I need you. And so I said, are you hiring my agency? Do you want me? <laughs> and mm-hmm. he goes, I want you. And, and I, so I, I uh, you know, sat there. And I said, I'm going to pray on this. Um, being a Christian, first off, in the whiskey industry, I want to make sure that I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then second, um, it's a big step. And so I talked to my wife. I'm going to pray on it. And so I went back. And I had second in, you know, kind of in my body voice revelation. I just heard this word, you, you are going to sanctify the spirits industry. Mm. You're going to bring it back. There's going to be a redemption on the spirits industry. So I told my wife, I told Jenny, and she, she was actually excited about this one. Uh, it, was, it just seemed, it was, there was this like no hesitation. thrill yeah. of this is where you're supposed to be. So I met with Joe again. We signed a paper napkin, and he and looked at the letterhead, 
and the company name above Oak and Eden, the, t- the company name was Sanctified Spirits. Mm. And the word sanctify means to make holy or redeem mm-hmm. over time. And so I see this. It says Sanctified Spirits. I was like, I have a word that <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be used to sanctify the spirits industry. He goes, guess what? I had that exact same word. <laughs> and that's why the company name is Sanctified Spirits. Wow. And it was that moment that was like, okay. And what, what do you holy. mean by that? Get, get, um, unpack that for me yeah. a little bit. So when I mean, you think about the spirits industry, just like you think about hunters, mm-hmm. you know, there's a stereotype, there's a stigma. And it doesn't mean that everybody's that way. Yeah. It just means that's what's perceived at a, at a macro level. Mm-hmm. And so most brands, you know, they operate <clears throat> under the, you know, the persona of what the expectation of the industry is, which is abuse, you know, alcohol abuse. It's drunkenness. It's, you know, taking advantage of somebody, using alcohol to take advantage of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's using it to to get a release, mm-hmm. you know, to find. Yeah, it ha- to f- has the potential for harm. It has That's right. Been, yeah. That's right. And it's taking something <clears throat> natural to try and find a place supernatural. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and on that, there's there's this undertone of, you know, this is not holy. And the term holy being, it's just not bringing health and life and vitality mm-hmm. to your body, your spirit, or your mind. And so the industry has almost accepted that it is, alcohol is designed for abuse. Mm-hmm. That's its design. Well, it's, it wasn't designed that way. You know, it was originally designed by monks and by the church and by by creatives mm-hmm. and people who were who were progressive forward thinking and they were under some sort of a revelation of creation mm-hmm. and so it was designed in good intent yeah and then over time just like everything we turn it bad you yeah. know we we take a good gift and we make it bad mm-hmm. food you can do absolutely that Anything. So, so so many things money i mean money, like every yeah. good gift that we have it's amazing how when we talk about things that we struggle with, mm-hmm. it, it was a good thing to start. Yeah. And then we struggle with it because mm-hmm. we've made it an, an idol. We've, we've yeah. turned it into something that is deeper into our identity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so if, if we look at that and go, okay, alcohol was not designed to be harmful. It was designed as a good gift. But it's become a harmful substance mm-hmm. at a macro level. It's as a stereotype it has become that. We need to redeem that narrative. Mm-hmm. We need to bring back something holy or purposeful mm-hmm. in it. And so what does that look like? It doesn't look like putting little crosses on the bottle. We're not creating a Christian whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> like We're not putting Bible verses on this thing. Yeah. Um, we are going to represent the character of a life being sanctified. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, yeah. But be, being sanctified, being made holy, and so in our imagery and our brand, you know, there's there's intentionality in how we communicate this brand. It's it's still fun and it's exciting and it's thrilling and it's beautiful, but it's not designed with the optics of trying to get you drunk so you'll buy more of our product. Yeah, big crazy party. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's about sitting around and having conversation. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's Connection. right. About friendship, community, mm-hmm. building, and it's not boring. It's yeah. not lifeless. It's actually it's better. It's mm-hmm. life. It's full of life. Mm-hmm. 
And so, um, so having this word of sanctifying the spirits industry, I knew that we're, we're not, we're not going to change everything. It's not up to me. I'm not going to change everything, but I, I'm called into having a small part, mm-hmm. you know, to build a brand that would be sanctified in the spirits industry. Mm-hmm. And so off we went, um, signed this paper napkin agreement day one and made it more formal a few months later mm-hmm. to create kind of like modern huntsman, create what I thought was the best visual representation of a brand in this industry and have it be passion at its root. Have it be something that people, it's funny how you see Yeti bumper stickers on people's car. They don't even own a Yeti. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's amazing how they built such a passion brand mm-hmm. that, you know, you want the name more than you want the product. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that that's what we had to create was a brand that you want the name attached to you more than you want the product. And the product is a representation of that. Mm-hmm. So off we went building this brand. It's been five years. Uh, it was five years in April that, that we launched. Mm-hmm. And um, in our first our first four years, we haven't gotten the reports this year, but the first four years <clears throat> of, uh, of launching, we were the fastest growing ultra premium whiskey brand in the country. And ultra premium is de- defined by a price point in this industry. And so we're the fastest growing brand at the mid-level price point in the wow. country, second fastest growing brand period in the country. Um, we're, we're given distribution into 40 states in five short years, wow, 10,000 retailers. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to experience things I literally never thought I'd get to experience in my life. You know, And there has just been favor. And for, for, for people that know this term, there's oil on it. You know, or there's, mm-hmm. just, there's just, it's amazing how... It's just it, we, we have kind of a weird startup story where it hasn't been hard grind. Uh, mm. uh, uh, you know, it's been easy, and that's not meant to discourage people. I'm assuming it was hard work. It's hard work. It's hard work. Absolutely. Yeah. There's challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you don't look back going, oh, man, yeah, no, okay, Oof, you're one. <laughs> Dang. We thought we were going to lose our shorts, and we had this yeah. one deal, and an investor turned sour. We yeah. don't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't torment in it. Mm-hmm. It was hard and hard work. But it was, you know, look back and go, this is too easy. Mm. And we people told us, people tried to, you know, communicate. This was supposed to be really difficult. And, and it's like every door we knocked on opened, mm. you know. And um, there was just oil on it. And so now as we, as we have, you know, sitting in this position, we recognized a couple of things. One, that, you know, we know how to build brands. I know how to build brands. That's all I know how to do. And I love it. Joe knows how to run companies. Mm-hmm. And it's all he knows how to do. And he's really good at it. And we built this amazing team where we, you know, we've got about 40 people on our on our team now who mm-hmm. are just the best of the best in the industry. You know, we've got we've got more of an agency model internally than we have a whiskey company. And mm-hmm. so we've got more creatives and and growth marketers and uh, and retail specialists and and strategists than we do distillers and you know the the everything that comes with being in the whiskey space and so as we started to look at this going we've got an amazing team we've got something here there's an intangible in us um, and we've built a distribution network that i mean really rivals some of the big guys Mm -hmm. why are we limiting ourselves to one brand we we don't need to be sitting here only creating and distributing one brand Let's just have our eyes open to building another brand and leveraging our current distribution 
to plug it into that mm -hmm. distribution network. And so as time would have it, um, we had this kind of providential moment of uh, somebody saying, you know, hey, you guys should really consider getting into the flavored whiskey segment. There's just, there's something happening there. Screwball had just launched their peanut butter whiskey mm -hmm. and it was like blowing up and there was this new brand called Howler Head. They were doing banana whiskey. Mm. It was blowing up and it's like, oh my gosh, what is this world of like <laughs> sweet whiskeys that like vodka had its heyday. Yeah. But whiskey is coming around. And so we just studied the market, loved it, um, found an opportunity to put a cookie dough whiskey into the market. So off we went with this brand that we called JoJo. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is brand new, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, like um, three, two months old. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I it's, love the branding of this. It's so fun. Well, and the backstory with the cookie dough portion. Yeah. So Joe, a business partner, when he was uh, before before he before getting into Oak and Eden, the last company that he sold was actually a manufacturer of baked goods, specifically or raw goods, specifically cookie dough. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. And so it was kind of this like he had the so cookie did you dough try, background. Did you try some different ideas before you landed on cookie dough, or, or did it start out the gate with cookie dough? Kind of started with cookie dough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We actually had one of our one of our sales guys way back in the day who told Joe he's like, listen. You had this cookie dough background. You're now in whiskey. Why don't you make a cookie dough whiskey? And so he kind of he called me. He's like, "Listen to this stupid idea," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That is dumb. I hate it." <laughs> and, and a few months later, we're like, "Hey, remember that one idea? You know, what? What if? What if that could be actually really good?" And so we uh, we worked at the flavoring house uh, and uh, started producing some syrups and flavors that were you know all natural, <clears throat> whole food uh, compliant. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're Circle K regulated. And so not putting cookie dough. Not putting cookie <laughs> dough. <you know? laughs> Creating flavor that tastes like cookie dough uh -huh. and doing it in a way that, you know, we can actually use real sugar. We can actually use ingredients that. And this, are, is, and this is a separate company. It's, a, it's, it's actually, it's, a, it's, no, it's under, under the Sanctified Spirits under Sanctified Spirit, but, company. But it's, but it's not Oak and Eden. Mm -hmm. It's not, right. so it's not it's, Oak and Eden's right. flavored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally there's no wood different. in that bottle. Yeah. yeah, there's no wood. So, so this is a, a new brand, the, the latest, your latest baby. That's right, so to speak. That's that right. You've launched, and and now how do we build a following? We're gonna gonna do do this all over again. Okay, cool. That's so scratch. exciting. <laughs> yes. And did y'all take on investors in the beginning, or oh, was yeah. it just? Yeah, okay. We've raised about fifteen million dollars. Wow. Over the past five years, we've got about hundred and twenty investors on our cap table, and mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I've heard horror stories about investors, and we have been so generously blessed with mm -hmm. our investor group that they are they are friends they are mm -hmm. passionate they are you know advocates for us and mm -hmm. we've just had the best time with our investors so mm -hmm. it's it's it the journey has been rewarding you know all all in yeah that's so exciting yeah <laughs> okay so jenny catch us out so i want to i want to go back I, i'm gonna i have a few questions about this but i want to yeah. i want to we i want to hear you you know while he's doing <laughs> all of that, <laughs> you're building this yeah. other company yeah, and then eventually this other brand. Yeah. So where the little bird kind of got its start was uh, I had my daughter in 2016 and we had just moved out to Argyle into a beautiful new neighborhood. And I had decided at that time to leave the part-time job, you know, with two kids. I just felt like, okay, I've got to be 
I got to be mom and I don't know how that's really going to go with two now. So let's adjust to this routine and just kind of devote all the time there. And so moving into this new house, it was totally different than that 1979 house. And so we had sold pretty much all of our furniture from that house. And then we moved into this one with a bit of a blank slate. And we didn't have a huge budget at the time to redecorate and, you know, buy all this stuff for this house. And it was kind of right at the time that a lot of women were starting to get into the crafting world. You know, Pinterest was huge. And so I think for Christmas that year, our parents are like, what do you want? And I was like, well, I've seen this machine that like can cut things and do different craft stuff. And, you know, now I just have all this time on my hands with two kids, which I did not, but (laughs) somewhere in my brain, I thought I did. Uh, I was like, so yeah, that'd be really great. So they got that for us. And I think I was perusing Pinterest one day and saw, you know, white sign lettering, you know, it's probably a Bible verse somewhere. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. I wonder how they made that. And so I just, I'm also a researcher. So if I get my mind on something, I'm going to figure it out. And so I was like, you know what? Okay. They've got paint, they've got wood. I think they got to use some power tools in there. I think I can do that. I've never done that before, but why not try? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, in this motherhoodness, I was really just missing that thing of my own that I'd had, you know, after we had Graham. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to just take some time during nap time and Is it in the garage? Is yep. it a shop? Okay. Yep. Just in our two car garage. And I think I borrowed tools from my dad. I don't know. I can't remember. Somebody now. more manly than me. <laughs> <laughs> Brad did not have the power tools. Uh, so yeah, I just went out there and just kind of like started trying to put this thing together And I was so proud of that first sign. It was like, I made this. And I look back on it and it was terrible. I mean, I think I'd shot some nails through the front of it and then I kind of painted over that. But I was like, look, we have one piece of decoration for this Uh house, you know. And so I just, you know, started doing that for a couple other little things around the house. And I think it was Graham's third birthday. Yeah, it would have been his third, Um, you know, had all of our new neighborhood friends over family and they'd be like, oh, where'd you get that sign? Oh, I actually made it. Like, what? No way. Can you make me something? And I'm like, I mean, sure. I mean, I'm really enjoying working with my hands. And are you hand painting it? Uh, At that time, yeah, I was, I think, roller painting the base and then, you know, I'd cut a stencil on my machine and then put the stencil on, paint over that, take the stencil off, pick all the things out and then frame it. Um, so I was starting to kind of get in the groove of doing that. And, uh, so I was in the middle of that first kind of commissioned piece for a friend and he comes out and he's like, they're, they're paying you to do this. And I was like, yeah, that's so cool. Could you believe it? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you know, that should be a business. Right. And I'm like, no, that's like your realm. You're the business builder. You do that. Like, I'm just having fun over here. Like, Mm. I don't. I don't have any concept of that. And he was like, well, let me bre- let me build a brand. Let me build a website. Let me get stuff going. And I'm like, if you want to do that, you go for it. Because I have no idea what any of that is. And, I mean, it's like giving him a cookie. Just like, <laughs> go. You say I can? Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So he immediately just goes full force on it and builds this beautiful website. My claim to fame is I taught her social media. And it wasn't but like a year later that I'm like, Hey, hey, babe, um, I see what you did over there. Um, could you give me some tips on how you're doing that? Oh, my gosh. I remember the first post. So he's like, you need you need a social media to market this business. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, you can get out in the local community and everything, but if you really want to grow it, like let's do social media. And I'm over here like, I thought social media was just to post pictures of my kids to my high school friends. Like that's all it is. Right. He's like, no, there can be something more. And so I make my first post and I'm like, what's, what's a hashtag? What, how do you do that? You know? And uh, very quickly, it started in the local community, uh, getting tons of clients there. Uh, our neighborhood had like this huge grand opening event thing. And I set up a booth there. And um, it was really right at the beginning of the whole farmhouse sign phase. So mm-hmm. really hit the market well on that one unintentionally. I mean, it just really was favor in it. And uh, so kind of at the beginning, that was, that was at the end of 2017. So at the beginning of 2018, he's like, hey, have you, I mean, we kind of have this little social media thing going, but have you ever considered partnering with home decor influencers, sending them a sign, they take pictures of it in their home, tag you on Instagram, and that's kind of another side of marketing and getting yourself out there to a, you know, larger community. And I was like people do that? Like, how do I do that? You know? And there's so many, there's so much of the story that, I mean, none of this would have been possible if it weren't for him and his insight. And that's why we're so excited to get together on a few more things in the future and build together. But so I just started DMing these influencers on, Hey, can I send you a sign? Yeah, Like, Hey, can, I'd love to send you a sign to put in your home in exchange for, you know, a couple pictures and a share. And shockingly, almost all of them were like, yeah, of course, please. Mm. And I think that was right in the phase of um, influencers weren't quite, you know, what they are today, like really working with brands, you know, getting paid to work with brands. And so I was just this little small shop and they're like, yeah, I would love to support, which was super encouraging. And so kind of had my first round go out with that. They started sharing and... So people started following along. Yes, people started, you know, coming from all of these other influencers following my little sign shop and it just grew explosively. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea that would even work. That's so cool. I just really needed content to share on my page. That was kind of my big motivation. And um, in that, uh, my brother actually unexpectedly passed uh, the Mm. fall of 2018 And I had literally just sent out everything and it was, you know, this huge marketing push and I was about to be super busy with all the signs. And so there was a moment of, gosh, I really should probably, um, you know, shut the shop down and just, you know, on the personal side, you know, have our grieving moments and just kind of do that. But I felt like the Lord wanted me to keep going with it. And it ended up being a really cool process of working through my grief in the business. Mm. It was, it was a lot obviously to do all at once, but, um, I really believe sticking through it and just having that outlet to, to process that. Um, if I'd shut it down, I don't think I'd still be doing it today. So it just was a really great outlet that started as creative time outside of mom. And now it's turned into this, okay, I'm creating with my hands. I'm connecting with the Lord, processing through everything that's just happened. And there's just a beautiful kind of redemption that came through that. That It was your sort of outlet, mm-hmm. hobby, release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, my kids are down and now I got to go, you know, it's just you, do work. Just you doing it. Just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so at that point, gosh, I'm trying to think of how many signs a month I was probably doing. 
hundred. I mean, hundred. Way too many. Way too many yeah, for myself. Lot. Yeah, it was. Um, since you, it, om- you almost shut it down. I almost shut it down, but there that college athlete mentality in me too was like, mm-hmm. no, like we've we're, we've just started building. Like let's yeah. just let's just go through. I even just I was telling somebody the other day, <clears throat> it was really sweet in that season, how you know her brother passes away, and you know it, it's it, there's just this necessary time to grieve. And I'd come home and I'd see her in the garage where she would work, and you know she'd just be on the floor weeping, mm. and. And, you know, I'd come in and just give her a hug and, how are you doing today? And she's like, actually, good. You know, really good because you know, I've got time to grieve. I've got time to, you know, work with my hands to build, to, mm-hmm. you know, I've got time to process this. I'm, I'm praying. I'm worshiping. I'm grieving. I'm all of it. And it's like this is just the necessary thing for me to do. Yeah. And it was and, just a really sweet time yeah. to, to have, like, at the same time while she was busy, it never was consuming. And there was, too, this side of um, part of the Instagram journey at that time was, like, stories had just come out. And so, you know, the encouragement from the platform was, you know, that's your place to connect with your audience, to build community. And so I went from, you know, just kind of really sharing behind the scenes of what it looks like with the small business to, hey, I here's my raw, authentic self. Like, my mm-hmm. brother just died, but I'm still doing all this. And so I kind of invited everybody unintentionally on that journey with me. And I think that was really a building moment for the community because, you know, people go through loss all the time. And so to see that real authentic connection, which is what we're all looking for from social media, uh, I just remember that the community got me through a lot of it as well. So being able to share that with them, um, so many messages of encouragement and just, um, helping process that grief in a in a in an authentic way it just was I'll, i will never forget the amount of people that reached out and prayed for us and helped get us through that season wow yeah it was transformational for sure then it kind of catalyzed in 2020 sorry 2019, 2019. Yeah, we uh we were living in this neighborhood we just felt this strong urge to move to land you know we live in argyle mm-hmm. and so we were we were in a really cool little neighborhood but you know we're passing by cattle on our way to our neighborhood and all these ranches and everything and it's like there's just something in us that was like we've got to be in land mm-hmm. and so we <clears throat> we just start <clears throat> hunting for land we find this one property the first property we walked on we just hated it we just hated it it was like i don't know what it was there was just something off about it that we just didn't like <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we spent about four more months searching for land and one day jenny was like hey Let's go back to that first property. I'm like, no. <laughs> and so we drive back over there and drive onto it, get out of the car, step on the property, and this wave of peace just hits both of us. And the third time I hear in my spirit, I heard, build my church here. And and I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, we're looking to build a house. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of weeks later, I, you know, I had kind of held onto that word and I shared it with her. And she goes, I heard that word too. Mm-hmm. And it was just the wildest thing. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with this, but we're just going to pray on it. So we prayed on this word. And then um, just, I mean, it, it was it was like, okay, look, if you want to build a church, you got to make it happen because I don't know how to build a church. <laughs> I don't want to build a church, but I'm going to do everything I can to not build a church. <laughs> and then if you don't want this to happen, you stop me. Mm-hmm. And it was like every 
every bit of uh, the process of getting up to starting the build of a home was as easy as it could be. Mm-hmm. After that, it was really hard. But like <laughs> at the point of no return, yeah, you know, it's easy getting there. Yeah, and um, and so then, so in that, you know, I'm growing the sign business, but I'm starting to integrate. Like, hey, we're looking for land. We're going to build. Um, here's the other part of our story. You know. I always tried to be, you know, just an open book and here's my passions and I'm going to share those with you. And I saw that it really like people just really connected with that. And so I gradually started sharing more of that home building process and was still doing signs, but also just kind of dipping the toes in in both Mm -hmm. sides. And so the whole build process, like he said, it was once you got past that point of no return, it was just like obstacle after obstacle. Uh, not only that, but we, let's see, uh, we poured the foundation February 2020. And then as we were, I think, getting to window stage is when the whole world shut down. And so. Oh, February 2020. Yep. Contractors yep. are like, you know, not showing up for months. Yeah. Because oh they don't have to. Yeah. yeah. Just get to not. And it was just so unknown. We like, come by so many every unknowns. day. Just drive by and for like. A month, there wouldn't be a single person. And then in the everything's house. delayed now. It's oh. Supply chain. Oh my gosh! Yes. I mean, thankfully, like so you're documenting that. Oh yeah, the whole the whole journey. Um, in May, we actually sold the house that we were living in, and you know, we had this thought that well, the builders told us that the house was going to be done at the end of the summer, and so uh, we ended up moving in with my parents for that time, thinking, okay, this is only for like you know six to twelve weeks, not that bad. Uh, it's just the summer. And that was a fateful error in timing judgment. But uh, it ended up being seven months that we all lived together because the house didn't finish until December of 2020. But yeah, it was just sharing all of that ups and downs. Um, Since we had that big move, I ended up shutting the sign shop down for the first time ever. It's like, we have to get through this move. I'm now at my parents. My parents were so gracious to actually let me take over their house and run the shop out of there. Mm. Uh, I think I reopened in the fall and they are saints. I literally cannot believe that they allowed that to happen because I took over the whole thing. There were signs, they had, uh, you know, a staircase with the spindles, their signs sticking out of there as I'm like producing them. It's like a dominoes, you know, all throughout the floor. There's like just signs, signs like standing up, drying. Then when, it, <laughs> when it's shipping day, you know, boxes all over the, the the downstairs. I did have a team member at that time. And so she would come over to their house and work. And uh, it's a really sweet memory. But also at the same time, I burned myself out. Like mm-hmm. we were doing so many signs. It was the busiest, you know, fall and Christmas was always the busiest time of year for business. Uh, so we were doing that. We were building the house, hitting all those obstacles. That was stressful. Uh, we had decided to homeschool Graham that year just with all the unknowns with, uh, was school even going to be open? I don't know. So let's control this a little bit more. Um, and it just was a super stressful season. So when we moved in in December, I had already shut down for like the holiday season. You know, uh, I always would like to spend December not killing myself for orders. And so I had already shut down, got into the house and was like, okay, you know what? I just really need a breather here because this is not sustainable anymore. We are at this point with the business of either needing to hire a team and I step back from being the sole, you know, manufacturer or change the business and get it back to a more small boutique place. Mm -hmm. Um, I never felt the peace to grow it any further. I'm 
also kind of a, I feel like in that realm, a control freak, like having to think about training a new person, new people to take on this role. I was so meticulous with every single step of it that I just couldn't imagine making that leap. And so we just kind of sat on it for, for a little while. And, uh, as we moved into the house, I, since I had been sharing the whole building process, everybody was so excited to like, Oh my gosh, you're finally in that. It took two years for you guys to get into this thing. Like we want to see the finished product. Also, you know? Instagram was starting to reward you for your stories yeah. and they were like promoting, you know, her content oh, wow. to, to, you know, well, to, to the world. Not, not at that point. That was, the oh, that was year. not that point. That was the next year. Yeah. <laughs> as I was saying. No. Um, yeah, no, just had that community. And so I started just kind of throwing our decor. It, once again, we moved into a house that was totally different than the last one. So we sold everything. And uh, this time we did have a little bit more of a budget to to furnish um, the new house. And so uh, just, you know, started kind of sharing it and snapping the pictures. staging and the Yeah, like just styling. Like, all right, hey, guys, I put together the living room today. Here's kind of what I did. And the really cool thing about the sign business and working with influencers on the business side was mm -hmm. that I kind of feel like it was an in, like a design internship almost for me because they would put my signs in their homes. I would watch them with that whole process mm -hmm. and kind of take, um, I didn't know it at the time that I was taking mental notes on it. But when I got to that side of being more of the home decor influencer, I kind of had had this time to study and learn about what that kind of was. And it wasn't that I was ever thinking, oh, we're going to move into this house and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a home decor influencer. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't no. a goal or objective. <laughs> was not on the bingo you card. Were just, you were just doing it. I just was like. And it resonated with people. Yeah. You know, I, I'm in this off period of time. I don't want to just totally neglect all these people that, you know, I've built a connection with. And mm -hmm. so I was like, well, let's just kind of start sharing that and see what happens until I decide to open the sign shop yeah. again. Cause that was always the goal. And so it turns out you're really good at decor and really good at yeah, design. Exactly. Yes. It, exactly it, right. I'd always had this interiors passion. Um, in college, I probably would have gone to school, you know, I would have studied interior design, but it didn't work with the volleyball schedule. And so I ended That's up, funny. <laughs> I, w I wish priorities. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> volleyball always a priority. Um, I ended up graduating with psychology, which I didn't do anything with except to uh, try and understand why our son would only eat chicken nuggets. <laughs> that was about the extent the of, of every parent's existence. <laughs> yes. I still haven't figured it out, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it, was, it was crazy though because she started getting these these outreaches from from brands. Oh yeah, other businesses are you know seeing the impact of her content, and they're just like, hey can we send you XYZ products and we'll pay you XYZ amount of money to, and I'm like, <clears throat> to share it on your page. And it's like, we were going back to remembering just a couple of years earlier, she was doing this that, yeah. mm -hmm. with these influencers. And now it's like the tides have turned and she's the one who's being asked and, and with compensation. Mm -hmm. And I, so I'm like, I'm sitting at home, I'm watching her and this other gal and they're, they're like busting their butts to, to get an orders produced. And it's just a madhouse. And our home is filled with all these signs. And in the garage, our, our workshop is filled with all these signs. And and they're just working their tails off. And so I'm, like, doing the math. I'm, like, okay, once all these orders ship out, here's going to be the revenue we get from it. And here's, you know, all the net. <laughs> and, wow, that's not that much. And wait a minute. Okay, so then this one brand reaches out and offers this. And that number is equal to that number. 
It's you know, one post versus like 12 hours of hard labor. And I was like, hey, babe, I'm, we need to talk about this. And you're just burning yourself out over here. Mm-hmm. And for the same amount of money, mm-hmm. you could do what I think you know you also love to do, which is interior decorating is you know kind of refreshing refreshing the home is you know she's not a shopper but she's amazing at like the refreshing moment Mm -hmm. and and look you know there's real there's real opportunity to grow financially and as a platform in this and it's resonating with people Mm -hmm. People totally Mm -hmm. and so she was just like okay we maybe need to reconsider so what so what point did it become like this is a thing. Like, was this, this has been this recent. Yeah. Um, Sounds like. I would say, I'm trying to remember when, what my first, like, paid collaboration was. I honestly can't remember. But I also remember during the um, home building process, since I had seen other influencers work with brands and, you know, different mm-hmm. things like that, we kind of came up with this idea. We were like, I wonder if we could pitch different companies in the you know, that we're going to be using their products anyways in our home. Mm-hmm. wonder if we could pitch some kind of exchange getting of a deal, yeah. getting a deal to create content, you know, once the house is done and whatnot. And so we were able to, to, and at that time I only had like, I don't know, 12,000 followers, 20,000. I mean, it was still pretty small at that point. And so we just started sending out, uh, emails, media kit with, uh, with kind of a proposal of what we would do and the brands were like, yeah. So we got a partner. When you ask. They just, yeah. It yeah. doesn't hurt yeah, to people, ask. Which people <laughs> often think, well, that would never happen. It's like, but have you asked? Have you, yeah. Have the you worst they can do is ignore what right. you were saying now. And right. thankfully, you know, he's, he's uh, worked with the power of no and he's already gotten yeah. past that. He's like, it's feeding me. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we got windows, tile, flooring. Oh man. Uh, not all free, but definitely at a yes, which was such a blessing with so, the home building process. So one of the things I love about your story is is I I think social media and putting yourself out there really paralyzes people. Mm. I think it's a lot of people that like I was talking with a friend who's an artist um, over the weekend, and she's I just it just feels weird putting myself out there and doing that. I'm like, yeah. but you're so good at it, and you're like you have this talent. There's literally just an element of just showing up mm-hmm. and just being willing. And, you, and and the other thing is, like, with, with what you just described, you weren't, like, trying to craft this perfect post or, or sales pitch. or mm-hmm. like You were just sharing your journey and sharing your story, and it was authentic. Yeah. It was real. It was what you were doing. It was the ups and downs. And I, th- I think so much of, like, even building a brand is just inviting people behind the scenes, mm-hmm. inviting people, you know, documenting instead of creating. Mm-hmm. So I, I, anyways, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it, I hope it encourages people to hear it. Just it, there's just an element of like, you got to just do it yeah, and don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try to even if you see, this, see the stats, there's a <clears throat> there's a stat that shows that uh, more people have a fear of public speaking than they do have a fear of death. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a pretty large population. And the reason they do is because of, you know, the fear of man, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it ultimately, ultimately comes down to this, you know, identity crisis and not wanting to mess up in speaking or not wanting to mess up or look a certain way. And most of those people are introverted. So you wouldn't think that they have a care about what they look like, sound like, act like, but it's mm-hmm. what draws introversion in, in, in so many people mm-hmm. is that fear, right? And so we talked about yeah. earlier, it's amazing how once you get past that fear, 
of going like I have to please somebody or I have to say this the right way. Like even just sitting here, it's just there's there's a difference in, in having a conversation and being honest and real mm-hmm. versus the fear of trying to say it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and communicate it. You know, that's gonna um, best you know get you in a in a position for betterment. Mm-hmm. And and it was just so cool because you're exactly right. You know, the the way that you know she got to communicate was like she got to share her spiritual life. Uh, her life of of a health journey that you know mm-hmm. that we've been working through for the past two three years, and that she's finally she she's healed mm-hmm. from a condition, and she she brought her people along that journey, and and it was like it was real, it was hard, mm-hmm. it was really hard. There's 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 real things in this that's not fun to to talk about, especially when you're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and but. You get to see that when when people get brought into the middle of a testimony, and you don't know what the outcome is going to be, mm-hmm. you have faith, yeah, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have the outcome yet, you don't have the breakthrough, and so you know we got to just see like I got to watch her, you know, in tears most nights, waiting for breakthrough to come, mm-hmm. and then open herself up in tears, and and share this journey. This is hard. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. And faith doesn't mean it's going to be fun all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that's why it's called faith. Mm-hmm. You're hoping for something coming and we're in working to have joy in the middle of it, working mm-hmm. to worship in the middle of it. And that's been one of the coolest things for me is like seeing this, this, these, you know, most people put up the facade. Mm-hmm. It's what I want you to see. Yeah. yeah. And her story's always been like, I'm going to show you what's, you know, with, without without giving away so much of herself, mm-hmm. without, without you know. Yeah, that's a delicate balance of sharing everything, but not everything, you yeah. know. I, my um, philosophy, I guess, on it is if you're sitting down at coffee with me, you're going to get exactly the same thing that you're going to get if I'm holding a phone in front of my face and sharing something with you over the internet. And it's funny because I've met a lot of, you know, influencers now being in this realm. I've gone to a couple uh, different uh, conferences, meet and greet type things. And it's actually shocking the amount of people that you would think are so extroverted, so friendly. You connect with them through the screen, but then you meet them in person. And you're like, oh, wow, you are totally different than I thought you were going to be. It's a persona. Yeah. And I never, ever, ever want anybody who would meet me to ever feel like that because that's just not authentic and Mm. um when you're creating a community and you're creating that connection it's got to be about that otherwise like the world doesn't need any more fake the world needs realness they need to know that they're not alone that that what they're going through isn't just something that is affecting them that somebody else has gone through that it's at a certain point and so it's not hard for me to share the hard because I know at the end of the day, somebody is benefiting from it. Yeah. Somebody can see my testimony and be encouraged in the place that they're at. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think you can, you can tell that that's your motive. Yeah. I think that's why people have responded to it. I think that's why it grew so quickly. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's been a fun ride. I, like I said, did not grow up in the, in a family thinking this way. Um, mm-hmm. There's even times that my family's like, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> our, our, our accountant, our accountant, who's her family's accountant for years, 
still thinks that she makes birdhouses. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> As a little that. bird. Okay, and, and so then then you have the studio. Is mm. is it your house? Yep. You rent out the your house. actual house. Yeah, yeah. we live there. <laughs> yeah. It's not a separate house. Nope. So you're going you're gonna to notice a theme here. We had a word in our spirit. Yeah. Every time we've, we've made some sort of a move from our marriage to businesses, it always began with a word. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so there was a day that we were... We go to Mercy Culture here in Fort Worth, and we were in the middle of worship, and um, just like, just like lost in the presence of the Lord, and and I just up in my spirit, same way as I've heard it before, pay off your debt, and it wasn't this like it wasn't this rebuke mm-hmm. as much as it was this like invitation, mm. and you know historically I wouldn't have said we had any sort of unnecessary debt. Mm-hmm. The American debt, you know, we have house, cars, credit card. And, um, but it was like this invitation to pay off our debt, a weight that I didn't even really know I was carrying. And so I was like, okay, all right, yes, Lord, but you got to do it. Because I don't know how we're going to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems it seems like soon. And um, so we got in the car, shared it with her, and um, and she goes, I heard the same word. It's just crazy. It's amazing how when you when you have a word and you confirm it with your with your spouse or your partner, whoever you're doing this with, um, and there's not opposition to it. It's a it's a confirmation. And so uh, we just both prayed on it. Lord, if you want to do this, you got to do it. We had no no idea, no, no idea. idea. <laughs> we didn't have new any any new opportunity. Yeah, and um, and we were kind of maxed out with with our payments. And so um, about two weeks later. Uh, a dear friend of mine who's a who's a film producer, he uh, he goes to Mercy Culture as well. He he called us up. He called me up and he was like, "Hey, I've got a film or a commercial I'm shooting for a pretty big company, and um, and we're we're doing it like an interior, we're doing a, a shoot a shoot in the home. Um, can we just use your home to do it to shoot it? Our home's kind of like you know Scandinavian, mid-century, modern, like you know, tall ceilings, natural light." Um, and I was like, of course, you can absolutely do that. <clears throat> He's like, great, here's the location budget for the day. And I was like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to pay me. Just absolutely come use it. He goes, no, this is this is the client's budget. Just take it. I was like, fair enough, okay. The next day, um, very high-end boutique rug company um, sends Jenny a message on Instagram. They followed her journey of the house mm-hmm. build. Very next day, <laughs> hey, we're shooting our fall catalog. And we want to use your home to shoot our rugs in. Can we do that? Here's our location budget for the day. And she, wow. She, we're like, what? What the? <laughs> what is what this? Is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I called back my buddy and I was like, hey, is this like a thing? Do you like, do you rent homes to shoot in? And he's like, well, I mean, I usually shoot neither my own home or my friend's homes. But yeah, I shoot in homes a lot. And I was like, okay, I assume companies do it, like agencies do it too. And he's like, yeah, of course. Like, okay, where's, like, the book? Like, where do they find these homes? There's got to be a book somewhere. And he was like, I, I'm i not familiar with one, but I'm like, okay, you think about, like, Hollywood. You know, they don't they don't always build sets when they're yeah. filming a home yeah. in a home. Sometimes they just use a home. And um, the McAllister home in the in Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah. It's one iconic home that's yeah. actually a home. And um, so I'm like, you know, surely there's like a book that agencies use where there's like homes available. And he's like, I have no idea. 
So then I'm thinking there's got to be some sort of like an Airbnb style, like peer-to-peer network. So I just typed it in, like peer-to-peer home studio rental. And Hot Hot Pub's this company called uh, PeerSpace. And that's exactly what they do. (laughs) They had, as far as I could tell, they had just started. And so, you know, they didn't have a big portfolio of homes. And there was like nothing in DFW. Mm -hmm. And there was certainly nothing in Argyle. And so listed our home there. And then just inquiries started coming in and people were wanting to book our home. And it's like the, what you would make an Airbnb in one day or one night usage you make in two hours wow. on peer space. And it's professionals who are signing a lease agreement yeah. and there's liability, there's corporate liability. They're and not staying the night. Staying yeah. The you're not night. changing the sheets. The nobody's towels, getting wasted and like throwing up yeah. on the couches, you know, like <laughs> nobody's stealing your Wii. Like it's just a different clientele yeah and um so it just starts getting booked so then you know all we know how to do is build brands so i was like okay this can't just let's be, make a brand this can't just be like a thing, you know like a peer space <laughs> thing we got to build a brand out of it so we we had this name stock and seed you know because we we were starting to to you know raise up livestock on the farm and we have this vision of kind of being able to to be a place where we we plant we grow we harvest and we have mm-hmm. livestock and you know these these two come together in stock and seed and um, so we started this this brand out of our home called Stock and Seed. It's the weirdest thing is like, do we call? Do when people come over, do we say like, hey, come over to Stock and Seed? <laughs> yeah. This is our home still, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's got a business entity to it, but it's also our home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so so we built this brand, started doing the same thing, reaching out to local photographers, agencies, you know. And over the past two and a half years, we've had like. 400 and some odd bookings at the home and it's been like we'll get calls that are like hey i saw your home in a commercial we're like where what was it for (laughs) you know i have no idea we we have no idea who's filming our home so what do you do okay i love the idea (laughs) i love the idea of it you got this beautiful home but like i'm looking at my house and my kids are just tornadoes Mm -hmm. what do you do with your kids stuff i always love this question that's always the next because i'm like i can't like yes. lit, my cleaning yeah. lady is in my house today, yes. and I guarantee you, by like eight o'clock tonight, oh, yeah. my house is back to where have, it was. <laughs> yeah, toys everywhere. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. I mean, it definitely was an adjustment on the front end. Yeah, because you now you're like you're we're paying the kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're paying the kids. There are employees. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, kind of in the design of the home, we really wanted to maximize all of the space. We didn't want to have any wasted space, mm-hmm. but we always, but we also wanted to set up, you know, different storage mechanisms because I, we don't thrive well when there's stuff everywhere. Yeah. I mean, especially him. I, I, I'm I constantly can, stressed out apparently. Yeah. I, I can I, handle it a little bit more, but he definitely cannot. I walk in, it's like, there's like three dishes and I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to get this <laughs> yeah. off and cleaned up. So you have all these secret storage. For the most part, we're like, okay, someone's coming, dump it in real fast and go. Well, the beauty too is like living on land, you know, it's funny, we, we had... A couple of years before this, um, we were like, we walked into our, our, I walked into the house and there's like toys everywhere. Went into the theater room or the media room where they played. There's like toys everywhere. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, none of these have been played with. They've just all been brought out. Yeah, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all the like little pieces <laughs> yeah, that so, go uh-huh. And so like, what's going to happen? Like, here goes dad after bedtime cleaning up everything. Yeah. Because you know, I don't care how many times you tell a kid to clean up. It's never clean. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and so I told Jenny, I'm like, hey experiment i'm gonna throw away 
like 90% of this crap. <laughs> and we're going to see what they, what, how they react. Guess what? They had no idea. Yeah. They had no idea. I believe and it. actually Next they morning, played better because they there were less options. It's amazing. I it. When there's order, you know, it's just, it, it, everybody works better. And so we kind of, we moved into the house with, I don't know, each of the kids maybe had like 10 toys that they brought with them. Mm-hmm. And um, go play with of, the donkeys. Yeah, literally. So we're like, get outside, go yeah. run in the trees, go play, go play basketball, go do something. And and when it's the cool months, they do. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was just, we had to set a new discipline though, because yeah. there's still every opportunity for mess, yeah, all kinds, not yeah. just toys. Well, and then when we're inviting clients into the home, it's not just okay, make sure yeah. everything's put away. It's all right, we got a vacuum, we got to wipe things down. You know, everything needs to be very, very clean. And so there was an adjustment period, but it also got us into this really cool rhythm of not letting the house go to a point that now I'm going to spend two hours before a client comes Mm -hmm. getting this all ready. You know, now it's, um, I don't know, 30 minutes. Just let's make sure beds are made. Everything's just kind of right how we like it. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so now like we want to do this over and over. We want to like buy properties and, and do more of them. Have yeah. homes, build homes, yeah. something, you know, tiny homes, like more studio style. Specifically ones that we aren't living in yes. so that it's not, yeah, a little you know. Easier. Yeah, but it's that. been it's been so good for our kids because they've they've learned ownership of their items and yeah. putting things away. It's time to pick it up. And it's something that I'm sure when they're older, they'll be like, well, m- our parents were running out the house all the time. We always had to clean up. But it's like, yeah, but now you do it. And it's a good habit to have. And one thing we always talk about is like if you have an asset, whether it's home, time, um, maximize it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's so many people that, that sit on their home and they call it an asset. And it's like, it's a hopeful asset. You know, hopefully the market grows and with interest and everything that you're going to at least make your, your money back, <clears throat> but it's not a guaranteed asset. And so, you know, c- could you maximize it? Could you open it up for studio use or Airbnb when you're gone or, Whatever it might be. And if you have time, like, you know, we just kind of find ourselves, like I told you earlier, like we kind of find ourselves sometimes where we're like, okay, I got a little bit of time on my hands. Like, could I utilize that time? Yeah. Or is it is it time to rest, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and, and to sit back for a minute? That's that's a good segue. My, my question was, uh, was, was going to be to take us into how, how do you balance it all? Mm. The relationship, the kids, you know, juggling these things. Because it's clearly each of you have a... Have a unique gift, the ability to build brands and, and to design spaces that are beautiful and things that are beautiful that make people, you know, you, you, you create things that draw people in. Mm. Uh, but it also like, you know, the, the, the difference between an owner and just someone who works at the company is also you're always on. Hmm. You're always thinking about it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I literally woke up at like 2.30 last night because my brain just started going and I was like, <laughs> fall back asleep. <laughs> because you're always thinking about it. Yeah. But but just get, give me some, you know, invite invite me into how you guys stay healthy yeah. uh, as individuals, as a family, as a couple, as you're juggling all these things that you're responsible for, that you're owning, mm-hmm. um, that you're dreaming the next thing. Get, get, give me some of your rhythms or philosophies or habits I mean, I think first and foremost, um, the most important thing for us to be able to steward all this well is to have our own personal daily encounter with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because if we're starting to operate and do things just out of what I think is great and blah, 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 going to burn out every single time and Mm -hmm. it's going to be overwhelming. So 
for both of us, we really try to start our day. We're not perfect at it, but most days we start, you know, in worship and just in the word and just hearing what God has for us that day. Early in the morning? Um, I, or, or earlier. The kids probably, go to school or something. Yeah, yeah. earlier right now this just because to we're... get together or individually? No, individually. Um, we like to come together at the end of the day with the kids and do, you know, kind of a family um, encounter moment. But starting our days off on that foot definitely gives us... Um, just the the roadmap for the day, you know, so that we can balance everything. If we're not prioritizing that, then um, it just all really falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's how we start. Yeah, before we had Graham, <clears throat> I had a friend who I, I, I we got lots of unsolicited opinions on how to raise kids <laughs> from people that we didn't necessarily want their opinions. But there was a few that I wanted to solicit their opinion and their perspective. And so there was one friend in particular came to him and I just said, hey, any advice, you know, as I'm getting into this? And he goes, um, he goes, my one word I would give you is get on the ground with your kids. Mm. And that was a huge mo- moment for me because it was like, okay, not just physically, but emotionally. Get on their level. Like when when you get home, you you turn dad hat on. You put dad hat on. You are no longer, I don't care if you think you're amazing or if your day was a pile of poop. Like mm-hmm. you are dad now mm-hmm. and you're you are husband now. And and so for the first part of uh, of of being a dad, you know, is like I don't care what I was carrying from work. I would just I would use the time in the car to worship, to unwind, to just let my thoughts settle. My, you know, everything settled. I pull up to the house and I just, okay, I'm dad now. Mm-hmm. And come in the house and and um, that's all I was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just put the phone away, put all the things, all the distractions away. And um, and definitely not perfect at that. <laughs> and uh, and there are seasons where that is easier than, than it is some other seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one, you know, huge word that it's like I can I can visualize what that looks like. There's to a, get hard on the yes. a hard, hard stop. Yeah. Yes, hard stop and a hard start. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and it was like you know, I was I was also raised in a home. I was fortunate enough when my dad did the same thing. You know, he he when he's home, he's home. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, and, and people called. Eh, too bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I, you know, I'm not that important. You know, mm-hmm. you can get to me tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> so it was a huge piece. It was like learning. I'm just not that important. I'm really not, you know, mm-hmm. and so the, the world can keep going without me mm-hmm. and it'll be okay. Um, our most important ministry is our home and yeah. our kids. We've got to so, steward our family yeah. first. Mm-hmm. He's um, always done such an amazing job at that. I, We couldn't do all of these things if we weren't a great partnership and if he didn't have that level of, um, you know, turning it off and only being dad when he comes home. Mm-hmm. We, and we try to steward our weekends, you know, where it's, it's almost a fully a Sabbath weekend, mm-hmm. you know, where we are. You know, we're together as a family. We're offline. We're we're not working. We're not building. We're not creating. We're not dreaming. It's okay. <laughs> I'm prone to dreaming. Yeah, yeah. So it is hard. Off. It is hard Sometimes to turn it off. Sometimes it's hard to turn it. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard. It's yeah. the it's one of the hardest things. And yeah. it's like, and if it's hard, that means you're doing something yeah. in, in the right direction uh, mm-hmm. to steward that in, in the best possible way. So, um, but I mean, as an entrepreneur and a creative, yes, resting. I think. That's probably the, one of the greatest challenges we face is mm-hmm. the idea of rest, mm-hmm. because it's it's we're on always, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, 
and even and even being a dad, being a husband, it's like there are times where you, you go, okay, hey, I just need to sit. I just need to sit for a little bit and yeah. just and just that's why I love getting those times in the morning with the Lord where it's just like, all right, <laughs> I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna worship. I'm just gonna sit here and quiet and just pray mm-hmm. and just be still. And it's amazing, you know, God moves in the whisper. You mm-hmm. know, he, he he shows up in the whirlwind too, but he really shows up in the whisper. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we we want to take that time to. Uh, it blesses us, mm-hmm. you know. When we bless him, it blesses us. Mm-hmm. It's so, hard, so that that keeps you going. That so that's kind of the the cornerstone, the key the keystone habit, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for mm-hmm. sharing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then just communication too. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's so easy to run alone. You know, to feel like you're two lone wolves. Mm-hmm. You know, running in your different directions, and then yeah, passing ships. Yes, mm-hmm. and then come together like. Uh, the occasional date night mm-hmm. and share and be like, oh my gosh, I have so much to tell you. And then it's like, well, hang on, you did what? <laughs> you decided what without me? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. well, it's for it's for the better of all of us, you know. I'm renting out our house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't tell you, but you have to get out of the house every day. Yeah. <laughs> You're oh gonna love goodness. it. Yeah, and there are those moments, and they are real. Yeah, but I think we're both so passionate about what the other is doing that it's mm-hmm. like, okay, what'd you do today? No, what'd you do today? You know, it's, yeah, and it's being e- each other's cheerleaders. Yeah, it's yeah. easy to um, stay connected with each other that way, and yeah. um, that's been a really big blessing for us. Awesome, thanks for sharing that. Okay, I have, I have one more question, then then we'll start to wrap it up. We have, okay, okay. <laughs> we've gone long, but yeah. you've been but like you have, two, two or three hours yeah. now, right? <laughs> but you guys, I mean, it's, yeah, you guys have such an amazing story. Oh. Just okay, real quick. Just building a brand. You, you know, they, they, he he came to you with the original idea, and you and you're like, I know how to get it to people, mm-hmm. and and you'll have built these brands that that are big, that people love, that resonate, that are authentic. You've tapped into these things. Like, how do you do that? Like, if if you were, and there's an art to it. There's a, there's an art. There's a create creative. It feels very fluffy and tangible. If you were to like make it ta- like more tactical, yeah, where would you start? Someone has an idea. And they want it to be a, you know, something that people love. Like, mm. wh- wh- where does that begin? I mean, it starts with observation. You know, mm. I think one of the lost arts <clears throat> as humans, like, when we get into business, it's almost like we th- we have to start with something tangible. Like, you know, an investor wants to see data. Show me the data. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's good. It's really good. And we And I want to look at the data, too. But I also just want to observe. You know, as a creative, I want to just stop mm-hmm. and, and just observe patterns and behaviors. And, um, you know, it's amazing how much as a, as a creative, an effective creative is really an effective psychologist. Mm-hmm. You know, you're understanding how people behave. How do I behave? I'm a consumer. I'm a user. I'm an end user. How do I behave? And... Um, and asking those right questions, just like with Modern Huntsman, like going back to my friends and be like, hey, you don't happen to hunt, do you? Well, why do you hunt? If that, okay, this is fascinating because tell me. Tell me why that appeals to you. And I think that a lot of times we we lose perspective because we look at data so tight. Mm-hmm. Data tells one piece of the story. It shows macro, you know, macro momentum, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give you the heart behind it. You know, okay, the amount of hunters declined 3% this year, year over year. So there must be something happening in the decline of hunting. Well, what is that? You know, is it is it because of perception? Is it because people are 
are busier? Is it because of the the economy? Is it because of politics? Why? You know, Um, and so a lot of a lot of uh, being an effective communicator, creative. For me, it just kind of begins with asking those questions and knocking on doors and asking asking people around you, just showing up into coffee shops and be like, "Hey, can I bug you for a minute? Mm-hmm. Like, do do you happen to do you happen to hunt? <laughs> do, you, do you happen to drink whiskey? You know, <laughs> could you tell me about that? Like, why don't you 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 drink mm-hmm. vodka or tequila? Why why don't you drink whiskey? Oh, that's amazing to know that now. Thank you for that information. Um, and then moving into the data side, and so I mean that's one of the things that. Uh, you know, we take with every brand we create is is then I want to look at okay, where is macro economy moving towards where, you know, why is there is a rise happening in you know in consumers drinking whiskey, and that that is actually astounding. Sixty percent of the <clears throat> of the bourbon consumer is millennial and Gen Z. Mm. Blew me away. I thought it would have been the old guard, you know, mm-hmm. sitting around smoking cigars drinking whiskey. But it's the young pups who are drinking whiskey, and uh, and so that's fantastic to know that. Now I understand the gap in the market because there's there is there are a few brands who are building themselves for that generation, understanding millennial and Gen Z, understanding and empathizing with them, mm-hmm. and creating brands for them. They might create campaigns for them. They might have ads that look like they understand, you mm-hmm. know, that that generation. But the brand doesn't resonate empathy with them and so great there's the opportunity now let's create the empathy let's 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 find that common ground that we can create so that's my perspective yeah um i would say on my side of the business entrepreneurial journey it's a little bit harder to find because i feel like so much of it has just been luck's not really the right word favor is a better word for it um i didn't set out with this original intention for this and that's just kind of how it's gone but the observation piece, I think, is so key because on this influencer side, I wouldn't be doing that if I wasn't observing people along the way um, in the business. And so we should probably get a little more strategic, I feel like, uh, in the future with just the different opportunities that we have here um, ahead of us. But I think just not having, going back to that fear piece, just not having the fear to swing swing far, just go for whatever goal it is. Uh, I like to say all the time, like just taking that leap of faith, like you don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but you could just go on the greatest ride of your life if you take it. Mm-hmm. And I, don't so, remember, I don't remember if this was a, a true stat or hypothetical that if a, if a football team were to go for the fourth down on every play as opposed to punting, mm-hmm. that their stats would actually improve. That you know there was there was oh, one there, team there was a, yeah like a high school team I think that yeah did that. that did this philosophy yeah and they actually ended up getting like double the amount of yards or or right. something like that you know and um and I believe that as entrepreneurs a lot of times we punt mm-hmm. you know we get to the third down we see obstacles and challenges and fa- you know, we we remember that last time we we ran on fourth down we got tackled and so we don't run on fourth down again mm-hmm. um and I think one thing that, that we've got to learn that we've been learning is you know punting is, is resounding in fear you know it's just okay I got to get the ball as far back as I possibly can to give myself enough room to to defend again you know so we get into defensive mode and um and so it's the it's the challenge of stewarding you know when when fear rises up going ah I know I know I might get sacked again on fourth down I might 
have to I might have to play defense from this position, but I'm not gonna let that fear stop me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna at least go for fourth. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go staying, for it. Staying staying on and the so, offense. So, like I would say both of those things summarize so you know, can I think clearly what you guys the 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 theme in your relationship, the theme in your journeys is just this get fear out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And then also go for it, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have the faith to go for it. And mm-hmm. then also like creating the space to hear, to hear from God, like mm-hmm. to like that doesn't happen on accident. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to create space and margin. You have to ask for it. You have to listen. You have to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, man, you have so many good nuggets there. But I think the fear going for it and then making that space. So you guys are super, super inspiring. I have. Come on. You are, too. I just learned everything I do from you. So. <laughs> Not just, true. Just trying to become more like uh, Jamie Ice. Uh, not true. Well, we do. There's a lot of similarities here. We do. We do a double date. Uh, um, yeah. Well, guys, this was so much fun. Okay. Final question. What is next? Mm. What is what is next for the Nethery family? I'm waiting for a word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's you know everything that we've done so far began with a word, and mm-hmm. so obviously this is next. this JoJo, JoJo is JoJo is new. Joe's our JoJo's our current girl. JoJo's yeah. so fun. Um, you know, we we talk about it and dream about it all the time. You know, I think there's something with real estate. I love what you guys are doing on the real estate side. Um, there's something with real estate. I don't I don't know if it's literally realty or if it's if it's something like extending what we're doing with stock and seed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we just have this. There is this. Uh, there's something about land and property mm-hmm. over us. Yeah. So you know, I think in the future there's going to be that that. Uh, that opportunity but for now it's like i mean we have chased after so many things and and <laughs> come to a, an impasse where it's like there's just no peace on this mm. there, we want we want to want this but there's no peace on it yeah and and there was no word for it yeah. you know and so we're trying to build something out of our own strength and condition and yeah i'm just i'm just not strong enough to build this on my own yeah. i really can't do this mm-hmm. so um i'm waiting for a word yeah I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have anything else to add to that except, you know, yeah, our hands are just open, waiting. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, just continuing to do what we've been doing with everything else and um, just seeing, seeing what comes next. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Really being open. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. you. So inspiring (laughs) and lots of fun. So much fun. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Congratulations, you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, sixthavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by Six Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.